Right. So we're going to do number 75 through 51 today. Stat. Do you, yep. you have your list? I do yeah. not. I got it right here. I turned Can it I into, just make up a list? I turned it into a Word document, and I am ready to go. I'm bound to like it better a little, than the little list that you're actually sending. I was a little disappointed with you. I wasn't calling anybody out. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, <but it's, laughs> you have no idea how much I hate that movie. Yeah, but and, it is a cartoon And I had movie. to just sit there biting my lip to say how much I no, hate you that see, see, here's the movie. thing. here's the thing. I don't have any problem with you saying, I don't really like that movie. I have a problem with you saying anybody who likes that movie has to be a idiot. You get the distinction that I'm giving you there? No, I don't. That's, That's the, the problem. problem. That, that is you're, the problem. You're absolutely... <laughs> you need to leave that in. That needs to be the opener of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the bin. Um, <laughs> do you happen to have my list by any chance? Because I don't even remember my list at this I point. I got my you, list. Your list? I can find yeah. it. Hang on. Let me see if I can. Oh, so... So I got to tell you guys this quick yeah, story. Before you we tell get us in. while I look. So we're watching. Ben has been on a kick with watching Frasier and Shears and stuff. And at at the end of the show, well, they have guest callers and are actually actors. So we're watching this one particular show and we see in the credits, I go, oh, Christopher Reeve was the guest caller. So I said, back it up. I want to listen to it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that that's his voice. And Ben Ben turns and says, who's Christopher Reeve? And my wife smacks forehead, and I smack my forehead. Why well, didn't you just, smack your his mistake. forehead? Yeah, I was just going to say, that was your mistake. You're supposed and to then, smack his forehead then. And then Jed's like, you have failed as a father. <laughs> and I went, I, I'm like, that's it. That's it. You're not watching another episode of Frasier. Give me that remote. And I went on to Hulu, and Superman the movie was there, and I made him. <laughs> I said, we're going to sit here and watch this, and you're going to like it. See, it my was, kids have watched it, Superman the movie. I know they've seen it. I don't know. I just didn't realize. He I don't know if they it. know Christopher Reeve by name, though. Hang on a hang on a second, Missy. Hang on a second. Shut up. That we were so we felt like a hundred years old because Logan didn't know who it was. Some celebrity we were talking about. George Burns. <laughs> Remember? Frank Sinatra. Somebody that we felt like he should have known, and he was just like, "Who's that?" We Jerry Lewis. Like, Ronnie Howard, yeah. He had no idea who Ronnie Howard was. I'm like, how the hell do you not know who Ronnie Howard is? Do you mean Ron Howard? Yeah, Ronnie Howard. That's what I said. Howard. We, uh, I, yeah, after I took Melissa to see Jurassic World, and the girl, the female lead in that is Bryce Dallas Howard. Right. And, you know, we saw that. And then a couple of days later, I was watching, you know, one of these old show networks, and they were showing an, an episode of The Andy Griffith Show when Ron Howard was probably five or six years old. And I said, remember that movie? Remember that girl? That's her father. And, and really? Like, I didn't know that. It, like, that. blew her mind. Is he really? I did not know that. Yeah. She was also I didn't know that until Spider-Man 3. Yeah, I didn't well, yeah, know that until yeah, that I knew. recently. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's I think it might have been. I think it might have been about the time that they were promoting Jurassic World that I learned that. Actually, I did not know that when oh, she I knew was it, I knew it when Gwen Stacy. I knew it when she landed the part of Gwen Stacy because I read somewhere Ron Howard's daughter is playing the part. Hmm. So but I, I think Ben she's a movie. doll. I think she's she's a really pretty girl. Who's her mother? Is her mother anybody famous? No, no, she was uh, conceived just just by him. Oh, okay. So it's an immaculate conception. Good there on no him. Mother. It was him. There's the no fonts. mother. Hey. I, have no, I have no idea if I'm, I don't think his wife is famous. So, and I'm pretty sure yeah. he's still married. Like one marriage his whole life. Right. Go figure that. He's a, he's a good guy. I like him. You know what? I got a big kick out of uh, Tina and I watched the uh, the new iteration of the Odd Couple that's on. And uh-huh. it's okay. It's nothing special. I mean, it's just a typical current day sitcom, but it's okay. And they had an episode last season where Gary Marshall played Oscar's father. Ah. So, so then Gary Marshall passed away recently. So they did an episode this season where it's his funeral and he, uh, he's he been cremated. And part of his, you know, in, the, in his will, one of his wishes is that his son, Oscar, uh, Meet up with his old business partner, and the two, and that the two of them spread his ashes. So it starts off when the lawyer is reading the will to them. It's Ron Howard. Mm. Then, huh. then they have to go on a search to find his old business partner, and they go back to like his old apartment house. And uh, what's her name? Cindy Williams is there. Oh wow! Then, then they go to another place, and Marion Ross is there. Then they go into a bar, and Pam Dauber is the uh, barmaid. And then at the, at a table is Anson, Anson Williams and Donnie Most. Oh. And then one, the old business partner turns out is uh, what's that? Penny Marshall. Mm. So it's all these people, you know, who were on the shows that he did. Yeah. I was, I was just a little disappointed that they didn't work Henry Winkler in somewhere. Well, he was probably doing a uh, Adam Sandler movie or a uh, <laughs> reverse mortgage commercial. <laughs> you got your list now. I would the, uh... totally be down for a reverse mortgage if he would just throw in the occasional A into those commercials. It just pisses me off, you know? Yeah. You can get a reverse mortgage for eight ninety nine. Matthew and I met, <laughs> took a picture with him a couple of years ago at one of the cons. He's like the nicest guy. And he didn't he even, like he didn't even charge us for the picture. He seems like he'd be a really nice guy. I do. I am looking over my list, though, and there, I, there's at least one thing I think I would change at this point. But oh well, too late His now. His list, checking it twice. Gotta Going find to find out, out if he out. made S nine picks or not. Gardner Cube is coming. Movie off my oh. list. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I'm good. I got got the list all. all, right. all put. I think I think we're gonna get some some good discussion out of this one. So you, hello, everybody, and welcome to part two of our top 100 comic movie countdown. I'm Paul Spataro, and I am once again joined by William Robinson, whose name I'm stumbling over for some reason. <laughs> That's. That's My name Bill. is William Bill for short. <laughs> hey, don't make fun of Mickey Rooney. <laughs> See, I've seen that movie. My Call name is Bill. Bill William for short. <laughs> and Scott making the fun of a mentally. I'm glad. I'm glad you got the reference. <laughs> that was a TV movie. Then there was yeah, a it was. Sequel. It was Bill. Yeah, yeah Bill was, was the name movie. Yeah. The sequel was they call me Mr. Tibbs. Like, <laughs> they call me Mr. Tibbs. Oh great! Now I'm going now, now I've insulted the handicapped community. God, what else can I do wrong? Oh, I'm sorry. Is that wrong? <laughs> Send all hate mail to Scott Gardner this time. Cause I'm out. Oh, that's okay. I'm getting used to it at this point. <clears throat> Send all mail to Cube Gardner. So we we do need to get through this top 100 because there's a lot of new comic movies coming out, and every uh-huh. time a new one comes out, this list becomes outdated, a little bit more outdated. Oh, that's every- true. 
Every that time a true. new one comes out, an angel gets its wings. Well, you know, <laughs> it, it's interesting. I was thinking about it because we ended up with somehow exactly 100 movies on the list. Right. That, that was purely by chance. Oh, I see. I thought that was the plan all along. No, I mean, I could never figure out because it depended on how many got duplicated on people's lists and how many didn't and whatever. But it worked out to exactly 100, assuming I tabulated this correctly. And I probably made some errors along the way, but whatever. Probably. Uh, you know. But if Doctor Strange had been out, which it is now, my guess is it probably would have come in somewhere between the 25th and 50th movie, somewhere in that range. Right, but it might have knocked a lot of people's tenth movie off their list by doing so, you know, and moved other movies down. Right. So we probably would have ended up with only say ninety movies then, instead of a hundred. So just as well that, that, that we did it when we did it, because we ended up with exactly a hundred by chance, and I'm happy about that. Cool. So now, what what else what else may have come out since this was tabulated? Can you think of anything else? I don't think there's anything else that would fall. In the category, but as as we've seen, the definition of what a, what constitutes a comic book movie varies from people to people, and that was something that you know we've talked about it before. That I wanted to leave that up to the individuals. I didn't want to set a hard and fast rule for what does and what what does not constitute a movie. So you, you know right. we've seen already, and I think you'll see even in this group that there's some movies that you might wonder if they belong on a comic movie list or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's again, you know, it's in the eye of the beholder. I didn't want to, I didn't want to restrict anybody. I wanted everybody to give me whatever they thought on it. Ooh, Barnaby Jones is on decades. Oh, sorry. How was that, <laughs> that not on the list? Well, I, I just wanted to throw it out there because as we record this, uh, the, the first part of this just aired. It is the latest episode. Uh, up on the feed and we, i think we've gotten some really good feedback we've gotten some really good discussion going um on our facebook group and everything but uh at the same rate i i wanted people to know that i was being playful about the whole thing i if i if i hurt anybody's feelings or, or felt like i was coming down on somebody uh, about some of the choices that they made uh, i know annie came up in the discussion I'm just joking around, all right. So I was, I was trying to hold myself back and not, you know, not tear into anybody or anything. The I just that particular movie. Was, please don't sing that for song for Gardner. See, I just for me personally, it was really hard to hold back with that particular one, only because um, the kindest way I can put it is just I'm not a fan. Okay, I, I'm really not down with that movie. So. Uh, yeah, but I mean, in, in the spirit of how Paul asked to do the show, I'm I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying to be respectful of everybody's opinion and and not tear into the ones that I really have issues with. And that one was that one was particularly hard for me because, yeah, I got I got some issues with that one. So Scott Gardner, Scott Gardner, I love you. Oh, till shut tomorrow. up. <laughs> It's a back to the bins life for us. <laughs> oh God! Now I'm never gonna live this down. Uh, it's a podcast life for me. But you know, I, you know, we discussed this before. I didn't want this to ever go to a point where we said, "Boy, you picked that. You got to be an idiot to pick this movie." But on the other hand, that doesn't mean we have to pretend that we like everything on the list either. Right. You know, right. it's, okay, it's okay to say this is somebody's favorite. I'm not so crazy about it. There's nothing wrong right. with that. Uh, I just think, you know, nobody should feel like they have to defend their choices. If it's a favorite for them, that's fine. I don't, you know, I don't mind that somebody likes stuff I don't like. 
you know, it makes me scratch my head sometimes, but that's besides the point. I have a question, Paul. Go ahead, Dr. Bill. You ask your question, I will try and answer it. Can you refresh me on the scoring on the three columns next to the movies? Sure. The movies are all rated on a point system. So it depended. That's why I needed everybody to put it in order, first to tenth, best to worst. You know, not best to worst, but best to tenth best. So for every movie, every time a movie got rated number ten, it got one point. If it got rated number nine, it got two points. So on and so forth. If it got rated number one, it got ten points. So on our list, we have three columns. The first column is the number of total points it got, all ballots. The second column is the number of people who included it on their list. The third column is the number of people who voted it as their top movie of all time. So in the group that we're doing now, which is number 75 through 51, there are one, two, three, four movies that were actually rated number one on people's lists. Mm. So four out of 25. There's 21 that were not. And then we range in this list from movies that got one vote to the most we have here is three votes for any given movie. Now that those numbers are going to go up, obviously, when we get to 26 through 50. And one through twenty-five. That'll be fun when we get to that because it's probably gonna all be popular stuff. Anyway, we might as well jump into this at number seventy-five. Uh, we have Justice League: Crisis on Two Earths, the you know one of the animated offerings from DC. Uh, I know I like this one, and when I first heard that they were doing it, I thought they were gonna do like you know Crisis. <laughs> so I thought that's pretty bold undertaking for them. And right. I don't think they're gonna be able to pull that off in an animated one-hour cartoon. Uh, and, and it's that's the one with James Woods as Owlman, right? Yes. Yeah, it's it been a while really since cool. I've seen that. It's not yeah, on my list, but I thought it was a good movie, and I really enjoyed it. Well, it got yeah. five points, so it, and one person voted, so it was somebody's uh, number... Number six on somebody's list. Uh, okay. Yeah, I like this one. I, I saw this when it came out. Unfortunately, I think I've only ever seen it just the one time. But I really did like it. In a lot of ways, to me, it was it was kind of like, if you remember the graphic novel uh, JLA Earth 2, it was kind of like JLA Earth 2 done right, in my opinion. Because one of the big issues I had with that graphic novel is it was built up like it was going to be this epic tussle between... Uh, you know, what at the time was Grant Morrison's JLA, like between Grant Morrison's JLA and the crime syndicate, and they never actually meet at all. Yeah, they just story. Yeah, I think I've got that in like a small hardback, you know, um, and it's they they just basically swap Earths. Yeah. Whereas this was the two teams meeting and, and fighting and having a tussle. And I really liked that. I thought it was really good. And I liked that. Owlman was was portrayed as you know being you know kind of the super genius of of the evil group um, similar to how he was portrayed sometimes in the comics as well so I, I liked it I thought it was really good I need to uh, seek it out and watch it again I remember the soundtrack being especially good for it as well I like the music to it I, I forget who that was off the top of my head but I have the soundtrack somewhere I'm trying to remember I had a point <laughs> it's on your head. Oh, yeah, there it is. You don't have to have a point to have a point. No, I, I just, in general, I, I enjoyed this one, the way they, they portrayed, you know, the Lex Luthor of this world as the good guy, and then he had a guy with him who was, I guess, presumably the Joker of this world, who was his ally. And uh, it just flowed really quickly, if I, as I recall. It's Like I said, it's been a while since I've watched it, but I, I thought this was a really good one. I think it's a good choice. I'm glad that it made somebody's list. Somebody loved it. Yeah. Somebody loved it enough to put it at number six. That's not bad at all. 
The next one on the list is another animated movie, The Lego Movie, which is also on one list voted number six. Never seen it. You've never seen The Lego Movie? Nope. Oh, good lord. Never seen E.T. either. Everything is awesome. That's some somebody actually not somebody my son Matthew uh, said oh dad I saw this you got to go see it it's great and uh, we ended up going to see it me and the two kids one day and honestly I was a little disappointed with it it wasn't quite as funny as I hoped the Batman character was great and he was very I, funny I I don't want to say I got drugged to it but it was one of those things where um, you know the family wanted to go see it and I was like nah eh, whatever Legos eh, we'll go see it you know it, it looked like it might be a, a fun little time waster type of thing and I, I think I walked out liking it better than anybody of the family I, I really liked it I dug it I, I really liked uh, the vibe that you know that, that it was going for just this feeling of you know it totally embraced being Legos and the thing that I think I was most impressed with is that I can't remember seeing a movie like, you know, quite like this since Who Framed Roger Rabbit as far as just really throwing in a lot of diverse properties into one movie. Because, I mean, in this movie, you've got, uh, you know, Batman and Superman and Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and Star Wars and, you know, just all these diverse properties all in one movie. And I thought that was awesome. I totally was not expecting that to be the case. I mean, I knew Batman was in it because he's, you know, right there front and center on the poster and everything. But, you know, there's that scene where they all gather uh, in whatever it's called, the Hall of Justice or whatever the thing is, where they have their big meeting. And the, the joke is even made about... Uh, uh, Morgan Freeman's character can't tell Dumbledore and um, and uh, what's his name Gandalf apart, and I just I love that. I thought that was a great little gag, you know. But again, it just illustrated it just in that one little sequence. Wow, you know, you've got all these great diverse properties all in one film like this. That was really cool. And they do the little roll call, and again, they're focusing on all the different diverse properties that have come together for this one movie and that that really impressed me i mean plus i mean i thought the story was good too i you know it's not it's not the greatest story but it, it had you know it was fun it was just you know it was what it was it was just you know a lot of fun with legos and i i thought that was really cool you know it didn't it didn't try to be shakespeare it just tried to have a good time and make you laugh and present a you know a lot of fun you know using legos and i thought that was cool i you know I like that sort of thing. It definitely served the purpose they tried to serve with it. Right. And like you said, it got expansive that they used so many different characters from so many different properties, and that was very cool. Um, I think it was geared towards a younger crowd. Yeah. There was, there was some inside, in, you know, jokes that weren't necessarily for young kids, uh, but uh, most of it, I think, was for, for younger. And I was expecting something a little bit more sly and and you know something that the kids would enjoy but that was a little bit more adult humor and i guess you know that that's just not what they set out to do right and i think that's why i was slightly disappointed by it i've seen it a couple of times since we have it on dvd here somewhere at the house i don't know if we've ever actually dug it out and watched it but i i've seen it uh it's one of those movies that people keep bringing into work and playing in the break room so you know i've seen you know seen it again in bits and pieces and everything and uh, and I continue to be pretty impressed with it. I, I think it's a pretty fun movie. But about the only real nitpick I had in the entire movie, honestly, was uh, you know it, it, it it's weird because it went from like a major geek out to a big disappointment pretty quickly. Was when Superman shows up. 
Because when Superman shows up, it's right about the time that the big battle starts. And I'm like, all right, there's Superman. He's going to kick ass. And they take him out like a chump almost immediately. And I was like, damn it. You know, Batman is like one of the front and center characters through the entire movie. But Superman gets like two seconds and he's a bitch. I didn't I didn't care for that too much. But otherwise, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Mm. Good little movie. Yeah, definitely. The next one on our list uh, is, I think it may be the first of the Marvel Universe to make the list. I'm not uh, certain. I don't remember everything that was in 76 to 100, but it's Thor the Dark I World. I think you're right, though. I think this is the first of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies on the list. And as far as this movie goes, I, I've said no, numerous times, I went to the theater, I, saw, we, I th- think we saw it opening night, if I remember correctly. And I was a little disappointed with it at the time. Then eventually it came to home video and I sat down and I watched it again and I thought much more highly of it at home. And that's the same experience I had with Iron Man 3, wherever that is on this list. I know it's on the list somewhere. Uh, which is a, li- it's a little bit surprising to me because you would think a you know fairly big budget special effect movie would always be more effective in a theater. And yet that's uh, not the case for me. I, I've been, I enjoyed both of those movies much more at home. Yeah. My only complaint was that... Um, oh, and I'm blanking on his name. Um, who played? No, Malekith. Oh, yeah, Malekith. Yeah, Christopher Eccleston. Oh my God, I can't. Remember. I can't remember the guy. Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> Doctor, when they re- relaunched it. Christopher. Thank Eccleston. you, thank you very much. Voice, from, voice from the ether. <laughs> yes, uh, that I thought he was underused. I didn't. I don't know. It just seemed like he was not. I wasn't afraid of him as a villain. Yeah, I, I think they didn't really make good use of his. Uh, acting of his acting his personality his charisma whatever you want to call it uh you you almost couldn't tell it was him and he was definitely too wooden in this and i don't think it's necessarily because he did a poor job of acting so much as they didn't really give him a lot to do he got charisma yeah this this was mostly you know the, the the appeal of this movie was the thor loki road movie right and and Cat Benning making meow meow jokes. Oh, I can't stand her. Yeah, I, I can't either. I really hope she's not part of the next one. It's funny. I was thinking about this movie literally on the drive home from work tonight because I was listening to the soundtrack of it. Uh, I recently scored the uh, the complete bootleg soundtrack, so I was listening to that. Get it? He scored and, it. Scored. Get it? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, this is a weird one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies because I like it. But it's fairly down on my list. So where this place is here, um, I don't know if it's my least favorite of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, but it, it's it's fairly far down the list. So this is probably about accurate um, in this ranking here to where I would personally put it. Um, you know, if I was ranking, you know, this entire list myself, I guess. Um, I'm like you, Paul, you know, walking out of the the only two negative experiences I've had so far with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as far as the theatrical experience, uh, it's the same two movies, you know, walking out of both Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark World, I was really let down by both of them, but both of them jumped up a bit second go around, you know, watching it at home on DVD when they came out. And on subsequent rewatches, I do like Thor The Dark World a lot more. I think once Guardians came along, going back and watching Thor The Dark World now shores it up a little bit. I I like it a lot better now in retrospect. 
but uh, but yeah, at the time it came out, I was I was really let down. I enjoyed it, but I wanted to love it and just didn't. I thought it was just like, eh, it was okay. It was a nice like check in with Thor again and everything, but that particular one, I, I just think it bogs down um, in a lot of areas of the movie. It gets a little slow and I dare say a little boring in a couple of places. Mm. Um, what's her name? Um, Princess Amidala. She's just a block of wood through it. She's just, you can tell she doesn't want to be there. It just really shones through. Sweet um, home Amidala. <laughs> I remember there being a lot of criticism in the first Thor movie that she and Chris Hemworth uh, had no chemistry or whatever. And I didn't really buy that with the first one. I thought that they did. But the second go around, I totally buy it. I, I, they just don't seem to me like they're seriously into each other, you know. And so it's it, it kind of, you know, it just kind of throws a damper on the whole supposed you know reunited and it feels so good thing they're supposed to have going when it doesn't feel like they're really all that you know into each other at all and then uh yeah like you said cat denning is just she's just you know shut up don't talk let me just stare at your boobs and you know beyond that she's oh she's super annoying in that and then they tried to go for that you know that Rory thing from Doctor Who with her assistant there, and I don't know what the hell that was all about. You know, I, I didn't, I really didn't get that at all. He was just, you know, again, you've already got a movie that that feels a little bloated in parts and like it goes a little bit too long, and then you're throwing in all these stupid comedy bits. So yeah, the comedy elements to that movie just didn't work for me. So I, I think maybe with like a good fan re-edit or something, that movie could could be a lot better than what it is right now. But that said, I don't hate it. I, I do enjoy it. There's a lot to like about it. Um, it just I, I don't think it's as good as some of the other ones. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree. I enjoy it. I could sit down and watch it any time. Pretty much. I just don't think I don't. It, it was like you said. I wanted to like it more than I did, and that's yeah. probably the biggest negative I can give you on it. Yeah. But otherwise, still, still very enjoyable to me. I have no no dispute of people having it on their list. I'm due for a rewatch. I was thinking about that today, that I, I need to dig that one out and watch it again. Because I've only seen it just a couple of times. And each time I do watch it, I do end up liking it better than I did the last time. So, who knows? There are some terrific moments. Like, uh, I, I particularly, like, what jumps out at me, I'm thinking about the scene when, uh, after Frigia is killed mm -hmm. and Loki's in the prison... And then you realize mm. that it's all a facade that he put up with his magic to make right. to make it look like he's just regular. But meanwhile, he's like totally, you know, just down in the dumps and disheveled and, you know, that he was destroyed by it, basically. And I, I thought that was a really cool scene. Uh, also, I mean, two Loki scenes. The scene when he's walking along next to Thor and he turns into Captain America. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> the score so briefly plays the Captain America theme from the first Captain America movie, too. Which I always thought was was a nice little touch because it's, you know, I, I've heard it mentioned a lot of times that, you know, these other scores don't, you know, they don't carry the same themes or the same motifs. They don't really refer back to each other. Some of the movies don't have like a discernible theme at all. But there's a moment where, you know, clearly that's not entirely true because it briefly references Captain America's theme from his own movie. And it's very recognizable in that little moment. And I thought that was really cool. Well, to be fair, I think Cap the Captain America theme is the most recognizable of the bunch. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. I, I like. I, I think my favorite moment of the entire movie, honestly, is I, I really like the big battle towards the end because there's a lot of great special effects there where Thor's just kind of getting batted around. He's taking a lot of punishment and everything. But I love 
how Mjolnir keeps bouncing through the different realities. So it keeps yeah. trying to answer its master's call and get back to him. But every time it shifts reality, then it goes and it, you know, it, we see it like zipping into space and, you know, running alongside that one building and tearing all the glass off it and all these cool things. That was really neat. I, I liked that because you got a feel for how the enchantment actually works. And I thought that was pretty cool. That was a lot of fun. I love that you have a, uh... A cameo Easter egg from one of the uh, rock creatures from Penis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So that, there's definitely moments in this. It's it may yeah. it it could be the most disappointing Marvel movie. That doesn't mean it's not really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Curse. I mean, Curse was awesome too. I, I always liked him in the comics. It was neat to see him on the big screens. That was pretty. That was pretty cool. Next on the list at number seventy-two, we have two votes for this one because the previous three all had uh, one vote for five points. This has got two votes for six points, so neither of the voters ranked it as highly as the other two movies, but it made two lists, and that is 300. This is madness. This now, is, is Bins! Oh, sorry. Okay, so I was just going to ask, is this the movie that, that This is Sparta line comes from? Yes. yes. Okay, all right. Yeah, I've never, it's I've Zack never Snyder. seen Pags. It's Zack Snyder. It's an adaptation of a, is it Frank Miller? Frank Miller. Yeah. Frank Miller graphic novel. It's the uh, I think this is where this, this is where Snyder showed the past. What's that, Bill? I, I was just given the supposed historical re- reference of 300 Spartans that hold the pass against the Persian army. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So. And this is, I think, where Snyder showed that he can adapt a comic book scene uh, effectively, and there's a lot of CGI in this movie. Mm-hmm. I still, you know, my big thing with Snyder is I think he has the George Lucas syndrome. The thing that people complain about with George Lucas is he doesn't worry about his actors' performances. He leaves it up to them to give the good performance. Meanwhile, his only concern is that they hit their marks. And I think Zack Snyder has a similar thing, in my opinion, because a lot of his characters just, to me, appear to be soulless when they're on the screen. And I think that's him as a director not really pulling the best performances from people. So, you know... What? You thought there was Solo's performances in this movie? In every movie Zack Snyder has made. I don't know. I like some of the scenes in this movie. That's that's my criticism of Zack Snyder. That's in a nutshell. Oh. That's what it is. Like, when I, when I saw Watchmen, which I think is on this list somewhere, uh, I never gave a shit about any of the characters. It, it, none of them transcended the screen and, and felt real to me. It was just okay. I'm watching <coughs> well, these people. I'm watching these people play act on the on the, the on the movie theater screen, and he's making it look like they did in the comic, and that's it. Did we already do Watchmen? Because I don't see it on the rest of the list. Well, yeah, oh, you have the entire no. list in front of you because I just have the I just have the 25 we're doing in front of me. <coughs> we we no, didn't I, do it yet. No, I don't see it. Right, well, you know what. <laughs> Unless Maybe we already did it, unless it didn't make it. I mean, the only thing about Watchmen all four parts of this to find yes. out if it's on the list. I liked Rorschach in Watchmen. I did enjoy his performance, but but anyway, we're not covering Watchmen. We're doing three hundred. Yeah, Rorschach's the only thing I really like about the the story at all. You know, in in either of its incarnations. So <laughs> I don't know what that says about it. Yeah, I've never seen this, and I don't know. I, I might shock some people with this opinion, but despite. You know his more recent projects. I don't hate Zack Snyder because he actually was the director of uh, of one of my favorite movies, which is the remake. Or actually, I I don't even consider it so much a remake. It's just kind of a uh, a reimagining, I guess, 
uh, which is uh, Dawn of the Dead. I think Dawn of the Dead's a mm. damn good movie. You know, his version. I, I like it a lot. And uh, I do find that there are some really engaging characters in that movie. Now, I'll agree with you that there are some soulless characters in there, too. But Well, any uh, movie that can work in a Richard Cheese song has got my Yeah. But get I mean, I, up, come on, yeah, get exactly. down with the sickness. You, oh, wow. I really enjoy that uh, uh, quite a bit, and I think it's a very uh, suspenseful, a very engaging, and uh, and a very well directed movie. So that alone makes me curious about some of the other projects he's done. But um, in this particular case, I don't know. I've never seen it, and I could probably go the rest of my days having never seen it, just because. Um, yeah, I don't like gladiator movies, so. Yeah, there you go. You like you, you ever seen a gladiator movie? Uh, no, and I've never seen a grown man naked either. <laughs> Look in the mirror. Oh, <laughs> ah! <laughs> what the hell is that thing? Right. Next, that's my special. That's my special purpose. Oh, Number seventy-one, Bill <laughs> Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> and, and who can argue with that? You're supposed to ask me a question. I don't know what I'm supposed to ask you. Oh, my God. You don't know what to ask me? No, what do I ask? Conan, what is good in life? Oh, okay. Crush your enemies, see them through before you, and hear the lamentations of the women. That is what is good in life. And Conan is a good movie. I can't believe it's number 71. I wish was it could have been it higher. On your list, Bill? No, actually, it wasn't. Well, then you can't complain, <laughs> can you? <laughs> I know, but I because I, I guess I didn't think of Conan, which I should, uh, but it didn't pop to mind as a cartoon or as a comic movie in my mind. Well, Conan which, wasn't created as a comic book character. Right, but true. He was adapted right. in comic books for years. Right. This is true. And aside from maybe one or two issues on bins, I've never really read a lot of Conan comics. So that's why it just didn't come to mind for me. It's odd because I was thinking about that not long ago about about Conan and looking to see if I had any to bring to an episode at some point, and I'm not sure that I really do. Conan has uh, has been one of those huge blind spots in comics for me for pretty much my whole life. Um, I'm aware of the character; I kind of know the broad strokes of of who he is and what he does and all that, but uh, never read any significant um, stuff on him. Just just one of those things I was never all that interested in. That said, um, I've seen the movie a couple of times because this was, you know, when we were kids or when I was a kid anyway. This is yeah, one yeah, of those HBO. perennial HBOs. Yeah, this was on constantly yeah. on HBO. So as far as like start to finish, I've probably only seen it start to finish maybe two, three times. But it's one of those movies that I know from having, you know, again, it was on HBO. So you'd get it in in chunks you know you'd, mm-hmm. you'd be flipping the channels oh it's conan's on you know conan the barbarians on hbo and it'd be like halfway through the movie or whatever and you know you'd oh they're breaking into the they're breaking into the into the palace oh yeah they're on there they're on there like they're zebra stripes right <laughs> running yeah, around but, fighting the guys but that said i mean i've seen it i enjoyed it uh i thought it was a pretty cool movie and at the time if i'm not mistaken i think this was right up there uh as one of the most violent movies ever made at the time it was new wasn't it Mm. it it held some distinction like that about being like the bloodiest or goriest or most realistic in violence or some shit like that i remember reading about that at one point because there was a whole doc yeah there was a whole documentary about how they specially made the swords in the movie to where they had like 
like blood packets and stuff. So where they'd you know smack somebody, it really looked like it was like lopping off a limb or something like that. It was a whole documentary about it. I remember on I don't know HBO or something like that. But that said, um, and it's got James Earl Jones in it too. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this one is. It's weird because it's I don't really think of it as a comic book movie, but I, yeah, I guess so. You know, I mean, Conan was a very popular comic book character. And uh, I mean, I went a long, long time before even realizing that Conan didn't originate with Marvel Comics, uh, that he actually was you know, a literary character adapted into Marvel. I didn't know that for a long time. So, yeah, I guess I could see that. Well, he, he was a very popular comic book character at the time this movie came out. Right. Yeah. So that mm. you know, that's a factor as well. Right. And it's I don't know that it was a natural fit for Arnold Schwarzenegger to play him, but it's just so much fun. What? Well, who else at the time would have been a good good Conan in what the early eighties? I do not know. I, mm. Paul I, don't, I don't have somebody who I'm saying, oh, this should have been the guy. Charles Bronson. Paul Rubens. Like <laughs> Crumb, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna fix him. Wait, oh, that's rogue line. Marlon Brando? No, that was that was my Charles Bronson. <laughs> that was Charles suggest- Bronson. Oh, were you what, suggesting was he sick? Did he have a cold? Well, he always Shut had up. kind of a stuffed nose in the way he talked. <laughs> That's what I was going for. I was doing I was doing Charles Bronson from The Simpsons. When he's, I'm gonna fix him. I'm gonna go fix Otis. That is a good question, though. I I can't off the top of my head. I can't think of anybody else that might have been able to. Now, how old was Steve Reeves by that point? Oh, he was way too old, I think. Yeah. Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> I, I think very often for these comic characters, more often than not, in fact, I think you're better off if you cast an unknown oh, yeah. in part yeah. than, than somebody who has a persona already out there. Like Chris right. Hemsworth. <laughs> well, Chris right. Hemsworth, Thor. Yeah, he didn't really... I mean, all I knew him as was Kirk's father from... You know, yeah. 2009 oh, yeah. Star Trek, and yeah, you, you if you didn't know it was the same guy, you you wouldn't even pick it out. Right. Well, I mean, that, that was... said, it's a good thing that Arnold did this when he did, because if it had been just a couple of years later, I don't think it would have worked as well, because then you would have been fighting that stereotype. You know, you, you wouldn't have gone to Conan and seen Conan. You would have gone to Conan and seen Arnold playing Conan, which is yeah. kind of what we see now in retrospect. I think, like, if I was to sit down and watch this now, I'd probably spend more time laughing at it than anything else because all i'm seeing is is arnold you know hamming it up but at the time i mean arnold was yeah but he, he was didn't pretty much he an unknown though wasn't he he doesn't really he doesn't really ham up this role but it's not it's not even that it's that this you know that's become right a, right. a parody in itself just him when he's just when he's trying to act he's he's already a a, a parody you know what i mean he, but there's he he's known at the time this came out from the movie Pumping Iron. Pumping Iron, yeah. He was known as a weightlifter and bodybuilder. He right. really wasn't known as an actor yet. I think uh, right. Hercules in New York might have been the only thing of note that he had done at this point. Oh, and right. uh, the streets of San Francisco. Because <laughs> this, this was... <laughs> this told me through. <laughs> this predates Terminator by, by several years, right? Well, Terminator what, what was 1984, and I think this was like 80... 81 or 82. Yeah, that's what not, I was thinking. Not by a lot. 82. Yeah. A couple of years. Yeah. And cool. the next movie on the list, that'll be one of your big favorites, Scott. The Dark oh, yeah. Knight Rises. Ah, this, this also born got, in the dark. <laughs> this got six points showing up on two lists. And this, to me, was a disappointment. Now, Scott, I know uh, you're going to have to pay your tongue just a little. I know. I, I've, no, in, in full disclosure, I've not seen this one. 
Yeah, I know. Because by the time this yeah. came out, you had already realized these were not yeah. for you. I had you. checked out. Yes. But you host like a younger man. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I had, I, I very much enjoyed Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. I know we we would we would fight about that, but you know you don't like them, I do like them. That's okay. That's all right. You're uh, dead to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, so, you're dead to me. <laughs> but coming into this, I, I had high hopes, and uh, and I was disappointed by a lot of elements in this thing. And it's not it's not that I can't sit through it and watch it over again because I could I can. I, I, I just love to watch it. Hate it. Uh, I just love Bane. Yeah. yeah now, I, I just I, I, I like just have a question. Is Tom Hardy really Bane in this movie? Yes. Oh Jesus. Okay. He's Bane. He now I off. like. Don't get me wrong. I like Tom Hardy, but isn't he a scrawny little English dude? Not in this movie. He played oh, he shit's on. Uh, yeah, shit's on was a scrawny little English guy. Yeah, he was in Road Warrior. Uh, not well, not Road Warrior. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, Mad yeah, Mad, Mad, Mad Max. So, you know, yeah. he's he, he beefed up. I didn't see that. If Honeywell's listening, he's probably like, Jesus, he still hasn't seen it. Yeah, I still haven't seen it yet. <laughs> just, it's it's only been a year and a half. What's the big thing? I don't know. I just, yeah, I don't, I don't see myself uh, really rushing out to see this one anytime soon. I just, I, I, I did not have a high opinion of the first two. Yeah, I was disappointed with this one. I, you know, I, I didn't. It didn't live up to what I had hoped for. That's all I could say. Uh, but yeah, again, I've never like, seen the whole movie start to finish. I've just caught bits and pieces, and and I always chuckle for Bane. Well, we saw it in the theater. Seeing myself because the fact that everybody that loves the first two don't really like this one probably means that this is the one I would love if I saw it. So <laughs> that's possible. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but that is possible. You, this is you this do is have a tendency like, to go against the uh, grain on some things. Yeah, not intentionally, but it happens. Yeah, that's for sure. This could end up being like the Spider-Man three of the trilogy for me, or something. So <laughs> who knows? And Anne Hathaway's, you know, she's kind of. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah. moving on to a uh, similarly titled movie, The Dark Knight Returns, which is the animated adaptation of the Frank Miller. Uh, I haven't seen it. Was it any good? It's pretty true to the source material. Mm-hmm. So if that's a favorite. Oh, so Zack Snyder did it? No, I'm just I was just going to say that that's all <laughs> I need to hear right there. <laughs> Oh, so neither of you have seen this one, I guess. I have not. I now I have the originals of the graphic novels. I, yeah. I bought it when it came out. No, and... I don't think that Zack Snyder did it, Scott. I was just joking. No, 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 I don't think so either. Okay. But no, I I remember hearing when this was in production, and it was one of those things where I, I was really torn. I was like, eh, I guess that was inevitable that one of these days. But it's just like, damn, you know, in the... You know, now over 75-year history of DC Comics, they can't find better stories to adapt to their animated features. I'm just, I don't know. I, You know, I, again, in the interest of not trying to denigrate anybody's list or anything, it's just Dark Knight Returns to me is one of those just so overrated comic stories. It, it, it's one of those things that gets held up as like, Yo, it's the uh, greatest but, Batman story, and I really but don't. But that's because think so. that's you know supposedly where Batman got his grit back or went yeah. dark. And and see, that's part of my problem with it. I think is that over the years, I've really begun to think that uh, that that wasn't the right the way to go with that character because then the pendulum. And I understand at the time when it when it was new and it was making such a big splash and everything while i wasn't the biggest fan of it at the same rate i did enjoy it and i liked what it was going for and i kind of liked the trend that it started with you know darkening up batman and making him a, a bit more gritty and all that and moving him 
actually pretty quickly when you look at it away from that damn 60s Adam West model that had just tainted that character and comics in general for so long a time. But the problem is, is that this pendulum not only swung the other way, it swung so far the other way. And unfortunately for Batman, it's stuck that way ever since. And I don't think either extreme does the character justice. I don't think the silly, stupid 1960s uh, TV show Batman is a very good representation of that character. But I don't think the, you know, deadly, serious, dark, gritty, you know, beat the hell out of the bad guys. Dark Knight Returns version is exactly doing that character any favors either. I think I think the true Batman, at least for me, lies somewhere in the middle of those two versions. And unfortunately, we haven't really gotten that one in a long, long time. I think the closest we may have gotten in recent years is arguably something... um, Well, I I think that Batman the Animated Series did a damn good job of straddling that line. I I think that's an excellent interpretation of Batman. And I think Brave and the Bold kind of tried... But unfortunately, I think it leaned a little too far to the, to, again, to the sillier, lighter 60s version. Outrageous! But, you know, again, that that's just my opinion. I, I have my own very, um, you know, very kind of solidified in my own mind version of what Batman should be. And when it, when it doesn't hit that note, I, then I, I just tend to kind of just be like, man, whatever. And so I don't mean to be dismissive, it's just... You know, with these particular projects, it just wasn't how I see that character. You know what I mean? It's kind of hard to explain, but that's just how I feel about it. So, yeah, I I didn't see this. I'm curious maybe one day to check it out just to see the aesthetic of it, you know, and and how they brought Miller's uh, art to, you know, to an animated life. Because I remember the, the little snippet that they had in that one episode of um, Batman, the animated series, I think it was called legends of the dark Knight. There was that, it was like an episode where it was like three different versions of Batman that you saw from like different kids perspectives. And like Mm -hmm. one was like the Mm forties Batman and one was the dark Knight, And I forget what the other one was. And that was really neat, you know, to see again, you know, that, that very Millerized version of Batman animated. I thought that I thought was actually kind of cool because um, I remember when that book was new and coming out and looking at the artwork and and not really digging it, you know, because it was that huge hulking Batman, you know. Yeah. But it was kind of neat to see them then adapt that to an animated format and actually kind of make it work. So, I, you know, yeah, one of these days I might have to dig this out and watch it. It's it's not bad. I, I watched it. I've only seen it once. Um, I share some of your opinion on the source material. I don't like what it did to the character. I don't like the people who've tried to imitate imitate what Miller did and don't do it as well. Right. Um, and I, even if Miller kept doing it on and on perpetually, I would have gotten tired of it eventually. So, you know, as a graphic novel or as a miniseries, I think it's really good. As a direction for the character, I don't think quite so much. Um, right. But if you watch this animated special... With that in mind, just kind of take it for as a one episode event. I don't think it's bad at all. I, I enjoyed it for that. And, you know, that's pretty much the way it works for me. Uh, cool. Next on our list, I think. Oh, Bill, did you have something on this? Oh, no, no, no. Okay, no. I'm sorry. I thought I'd cut you off. Uh, nope. Next on the list, I could just set Scott Free on it. Uh, and I don't mean Mr. Oh, yeah. Miracle. <laughs> uh, number 68, Iron Giant. Go, Scott. 
Oh my God, yes. I love this movie. Love, love, love this movie. This is uh, Brad Bird. And yet not on Directed this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, honestly, I, it's not on my list. You know why it's not on my list? I just forgot, honestly. This this probably would make my list. Maybe not of the top 10, but definitely like the top like 15 to 20. Um, this is a great movie. And... I, I don't think I can sum this movie up better than Chris Honeywell did when we did. Uh, we either did an episode discussing it or we did a commentary. I forget which it was, but Chris had just a brilliant observation, which was this is the best Superman movie there's been in the last 20 years, and that is absolutely the truth. Now, granted, you know Superman not really in the movie, but that's not the point. The point is that this really comes down to being a Superman movie in so many ways. It nails the essence of that character, and Superman essentially is what the Iron Giant is is aspiring to be, to to overcome what he is and the purpose he was built for, and be like Superman, using Superman as a model. And if that's not a great and inspirational message, I don't know what is. I, I love this movie top to bottom. I, I honestly don't have a a single nitpick or, or find a single flaw with it. I think it's great. I think the soundtrack is great. The voice acting is incredible. The animation is great. Story's fantastic. And uh, this uh, this joins the, the ranks of movies that I cannot watch without crying. Every time I watch this movie, I end up bawling like a baby. But I love it. I think it's a great movie. It's really solid. Um, I heard not long ago that they were talking sequel. I'm not sure how I feel about that because as much as I really enjoy the movie, every once in a while there are movies like this that I hold very near and dear that I kind of think you're probably going to end up doing a disservice to it to do a sequel. So I'm kind of hoping that they, they keep hands off with this one. I think it just it works as a done in one. I think it's just great the way it is. Um Again, you know, directed uh, by um, Brad Bird. I think he wrote this, too, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that. Um, but, yeah, brilliantly directed by uh, Brad Bird. One of his best, I think. And, uh, yeah, great little movie. Yeah, one of my weaknesses is that I never have a problem with them doing sequels to things I like. And then often I end up disappointed in the sequel. Mm-hmm. But if it's characters that I like or a movie that I liked, I never mind the the concept of revisiting it. You know, and I just always hope that they're clever enough, creative enough, and intelligent enough to come up with a story that will be entertaining again. And that's not always so easy. Uh, Vin Diesel did the voice of the uh, yep. giant, didn't he? Yeah, He sure did. And then Harry Connick Jr. was the guy who hangs like, out with the kid. Yeah, I forget right. what his character's name is off the top of my head, but yeah, he was the beatnik character. Uh, he was great. He's a, he's a really good character in the movie. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think the first time I ever heard the name uh, Vin Diesel was was because of this movie, because yeah, he was the voice uh, of the Iron Giant. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he got the, the gig as Groot because of his voice work as the Iron Giant in this movie. If, I, I'm pretty mm. sure I've heard that before. I think it's funny that, I mean, we're going to get to Guardians eventually, but I think it's funny that, you know, he had one line in that movie, and he they, they made him say it like a thousand times. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, and then they made him say it in other languages. Yeah. yeah. I saw him on some talk show the other night, I don't know, Jimmy Kimmel or one of those, and uh, and they made him say it in, I think it was Korean. It was it was hysterical. So, yeah, he actually, he actually does the group voice in the other languages on the uh, translated... Uh, versions, which that, that's just I, I find that amusing. I think that's funny. 
Well, you bought a uh, you bought a print of this, didn't you, when we were at MegaCon? Yeah, yeah, I did. I have a, a print of. Or was it so, Tampa Bay Con? Uh, I forget now. I don't remember which one. It, I think it was at MegaCon. Mm. And you know, so at the end of the movie, there's the the statue that's been created in honor of the Iron Giant who saves the town. And the print that I bought. I forget what the artist's name is off the top of my head. It was one of those ones that like was in Artist Alley with all the like up and coming aspiring artists. Mm-hmm. And it's a picture of you're you're seeing it from the back. So it could be basically it could be any version of Superman, you know, whichever one personally fits for you. And you're seeing the back of Superman. So you're seeing, you know, Superman standing there and, and his capes flowing and everything, and he's looking up at the statue of the Iron Giant. And I just I love that. I think that is so cool. I think is he saluting just, it or is he just no, looking he's, at it? He's just looking at it, you know, just like reverently staring up at it. I, I just I think that's really cool. I think that's really neat. And uh Brad Bird, I mean, deservedly so, of course, but Brad Bird is so proud of this movie, and, and that tickles me too. That you know, he's he's very fond of this character and of this movie, and and knows that he did a damn good job. That he connected with a lot of people with this. Um, if you ever watch Tomorrowland, uh, in the scene where they go to Blast from the Past, the, the the comic book store that has just all that geek memorabilia in it, there are dozens of Iron Giant nods in that scene just all over the place like little action figures and statuary and comic books and all, you know just they crammed it full of little easter egg nods to iron giant and i just thought that was really cool okay the next movie i have very little to say about <laughs> i've never seen it uh, I, I haven't either the but... old cartoon right see and a pussy yes, that's it it's josie and the pussycats a number 67 movie uh, also got six points, two votes. Two votes? Wow. <laughs> See, I, no, no, I'm no, sorry. I don't, before, I don't mean to say... We, no, before you get into it, have you ever seen it? No, I... I, was I just, have not yeah, seen I, it. I, don't, I didn't mean to say it like that, because I haven't seen it. Uh, to be honest with you, I'd, for, I'd completely forgotten they even made a, a uh, an adaptation, you know, a film adaptation of Josie and the Pussycats. Like you guys, I remember the TV show, and I mean, I remember, you know... I liked when it was... Uh, what did they call it? Was it Josie and the Pussycats in Space? Was that the name of the... Josie and Outer Space. Josie and Outer Space, yeah. I, that I liked. I actually got a kick out of that. And, uh, God, who was it? There was a famous actress. Was it Was it Suzanne Summers? That was the this? voice of one of the characters? No, the voice of one of the characters in the original show. Remember the ditzy blonde? Oh, jeez. We're going to have to look it up. Hold on. The, the ditzy blonde, whatever the hell her... Melanie, I think, might have been her name. She she was voiced by somebody famous, and I want to say it might have been Suzanne Summers. Yeah, I just punched it up on uh, IMDb. Cheryl Ladd. Cheryl Okay, maybe that's her. Melody on 16 episodes. Yeah, okay. But honestly, I don't remember a hell of a lot. I remember there was the that creepy dude with the pirate shirt there and his sister who was a complete bitch who had the cat yeah, and the skunk hair yeah and the skunk hair and <laughs> and i remember in the one episode where they they go to this planet and they had all these guys they were like giants and they were basically like giant telosians from the asshead episode of star trek <laughs> and they were intent to extinguish our sun because they couldn't go outside without being blinded by the light of the sun. So they were just going to put an end to the sun. They were going to put it out. (laughs) And 
at the end of the episode, Melanie saved the Earth by proposing, well, why don't you just invent sunglasses? So she invented sunglasses and gave them out to all the people of that planet, and they decided, okay, we're not going to extinguish the sun now. And why in the hell I remember that after 40 years, I couldn't tell you. But that's my total memories of Josie and the Pussycats right there. So, well, yeah. In this movie, which was from 2001, Rachel Lee Cook, who I don't know off the top of my head, played Josie. But there are some other names I do recognize in here. Rosario Dawson played Valerie. Tara Reed played Melody. Uh, who else was in this? Alan Cumming, Parker Posey, Carson Daly. Hmm. I don't know. Who did the music for it? off the top of my head. Let's see. John Frizzell. John Frizzell. Oh, yeah. He did uh, Beavis and Butthead Do America. Good soundtrack. Okay, I'll accept your word on that because I honestly don't. <laughs> it is. It's a good soundtrack. Okay. Yeah, but here I've been I, talking I got... and I've been, I've, I've, I've been muted. I'm sitting there going, blah, 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 blah. blah. <laughs> what, <laughs> you guys don't hear me. Uh, what's wrong? I'm not, I'm not on the show. <laughs> you went from yeah. Bill Cosby to Mario like that. <laughs> Yeah, I got so, I got nothing. I like I said, I totally forgot they even made a live action movie of this. Was it even a theatrical movie? Didn't this yeah, go I direct to video? No, I that's what it was. Theatrical. It was a th- yeah, oh, it was okay. all right with all right. Rosario Dawson and all those people. Now, who that name rings about? Who is Rosario Dawson? Because that's, 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 that's what I was, I was going. Night Nurse. Oh yes, okay, yeah. Oh, she Josie? No, she no, was she was one of the other. Somebody ones. else. I, I, Josie's black, right? Is no. she the black one? No. Which one's the black one? Uh, maybe, maybe the maybe Rosario Dawson's character. I'm not sure. No, I mean in in Josie and the Pussycats of the Pussycats. Yeah, which I, what's the black know one's name? name? Oh. I was thinking she was she was. I'm Josie. not a member though. No, Josie, Josie, Josie was the red fan club. That's right. Yeah. Shit. I don't know. Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, right. <laughs> we'll go. We'll go out of Josie on that, and then we go to another one that I had never heard of. <laughs> Uh, Opus. What was that stupid cat's name? I hated that cat. Oh, that, I wanted that, to the, die. The cat looked like the skunk lady. Yeah, what was the, the cat's lady. name, though? Hold on. <laughs> I hated that damn cat. <laughs> didn't they end up teaming up with Scooby-Doo? Why didn't Scooby-Doo oh, sure eat did. the cat? Sebastian. Sebastian. Yes, oh, what a little shit he was. I hated him. Alexandria's snickering cat, whose black and white fur resembles Alexandria's hair. She, what was what was her brother's name? Alexander. Was he Alexander? Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Alexander yeah. Cabot. Alexander Cabot the third was played by Casey Kasem, the group's manager. Was he? Yes. Wow, I didn't know that. So then, when they teamed up with with Scooby Doo, so that means that Casey Kasem was doing Alexander and Shaggy. And if they had Robin on there, he could have been that too. I was just gonna say they should have teamed up with Robin, and yeah, there you Holy go. Holy three, Batman. That is funny. If you ever watch any of the episodes of Scooby Doo when they teamed up with Batman and Robin, whenever Scooby, or excuse me, whenever Shaggy and Robin would talk to each other, I, I just sit there and laugh. I'm like, it's the same and, voice. And then Scooby would go, yeah, what he the really rock? didn't try and modulate his voice at all. No, he, he did not. <laughs> the rock is growing on, Raggy. We <laughs> rather like you. So number number sixty six on our list. Is one I was totally unfamiliar with. Opus, a wish for wings that work. I wish I, I you know, I, I like uh, Bloom County, so I'd probably like to see this. I thought Bloom County I, was funny, so I can't tell you I wouldn't like it. This is another animated feature, and it's, uh, I believe it's a short. I think it was just a Christmas. I thought special. this had, I thought this had Richard Dreyfus in it. Uh, 
No. I I think you're thinking Mr. Holland's opus. Yeah. Mr. Holland's no. opus, A Wish for Wings. That <laughs> Wish for Things That Work. Yeah, there you go. Uh, opus I the Penguin been... from Bloom County. Cartoon. Oh, okay. And, well, I'm just looking. Bill the Cat was always very funny. And Back barf! In, in, the, in the comic strip and in the short, John Biner, who I always thought was very funny, does his <laughs> voice. Oh, if I've I remember, seen this, Biner, but... did John Biner do the voice, voice of the aardvark? No, he did the voice no. of the ant in the, in the aardvark. Yes. We already had this discussion. Yeah. Yes, I think we, we, we have. have yeah, we have. He was, he was doing is. kind of a Dean Martin imitation. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. I'll go back to my hole now. And then the, the aardvark <laughs> was Jackie Mason or somebody doing a Jackie Mason imitation. Ja- yeah, I think it was an imitation of Jackie Mason. Yeah. That was a funny show. I used to like that one. I always yeah, loved it how he sounded like a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> 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 I'm the best sound effects man in the business. <laughs> Michael Winslow's got nothing on me. Nothing. Oh, I was gonna say something rude, but I'll, I won't. Hey, was it was it rude to Bill? Yes. Go ahead. It was about, it was about the sucking toys, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Your mom sounds like a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you met my mother. Oh, boom, boom. Oh. Love you, mom. Love you. <laughs> Clearly. So I, I can't really comment on this. I did like Bloom County. I probably would enjoy this if I saw it. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> that's all I got. Okay. All right. So, so going down to number 65 on our list, this was voted by on three lists. So our first three-list movie. Uh, it got seven points, so it was, I guess, fairly low on each list, but Mystery Men. All right, state your name and power. I am the Waffler. With my griddle of justice, I bash the enemy in the head, or I burn them like so. Oh, oh. Next. Hi, uh, I am Pencilhead. And I am son of Pencilhead. We erase crime. Two generations of... Right. Yes, thank you. I'd say there's potential. I have yet to see this one. This is one of those movies that for years I have meant to watch, and I've just not gotten around to it. What? I just haven't got to it yet. What's Jeffrey Rush's character's name? Oh, something something Frankenstein. Not Frankenstein Supernova. Or is it Frankenstein Supernova? Uh, Isn't this the one with, like, Paul Rubens as the flatulator or something like that? Yeah, okay. It's it's, uh, Spleen. Yeah, it's Casanova Frankenstein. Casanova Frankenstein, that's it. <laughs> ben, ben Stiller is, is Mr. Furious. <laughs> and his power is that he gets really angry. And they're like, oh, well, you get you get stronger? No, no. He <laughs> just gets really angry. So just conceptually, it's funny. Right. William H. Macy is the shoveler. I, what do you do? I shovel well. They're all just like D-list heroes. Yeah, it's it's like uh, Avengers, uh, you know, Great Lakes Avengers. Like Avengers or something. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's, it's Hank Azaria is Raja. He steals his mother's. Uh, he like throws forks and and uh, spoons. And well, then you got the girl with like her dad's head in a bowling yeah. ball or something. The bowl. But the best is the Sphinx because all he does is give this, you know, you must learn. You must learn what you you must unlearn what you have learned. He doesn't really give any advice. He just talks talks in circles. <laughs> um, uh, who was? Uh, oh, what's his name? Tom Waits is in it. He he only makes uh, non-lethal weapons. 
<laughs> what was oh one of them was the uh the blame the blame ray or something like you shoot some I oh, it just makes everybody mad at each other <laughs> didn't uh, if I'm not mistaken didn't Shirley Walker do the score to that am I right on that are you are you guys looking at that on Greg Kinnear's Captain Amazing no uh, I'm looking I'm on uh, IMDB are you uh, hmm let me see full cast and crew. Wow, a lot of people in this. Music, Stephen Warbeck. Okay, no, I was completely wrong. Never mind. Oh, okay, this is based on Flaming Carrot comics that I did not know. Really? I did yeah. not know that either. At least this is according to Wikipedia, as we know is always right. Yes. Hmm. I would highly recommend this. This would be a good one to sit around with, like, a bunch of us and watch. Yeah, I would definitely like probably, to see it sometime. Probably good to watch after imbibing a few drinks. Right. <laughs> and then Paul, Paul Rubens was a spleen, and he had a lisp, too, so he's like... Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> Next oh, my finger. I'm moving it on, moving it on, because we still got a lot of lists to go Ah, we're doing fine. We're doing great on time. Next on our list is Oblivion. That's one that Mr. Andrew Leyland has recommended on several occasions. I have seen that. I have. I, have I don't not. know. Tell me about it. Uh, it's Tom Cruise, which usually I am not a Tom Cruise Ugh. fan. But I, I think in our last discussion we had last, like in almost two weeks ago, that we were saying that like this is one of those Tom Cruise movies that. I actually like him in because he's not trying to be the smarmy, you know, teeth flashing a-hole. He's, you know, he's, it's much like he played in, well, I think you said you didn't like Minority Report, did you, Paul? No, not really. But it's more, it's like that type of acting. He's not, you know, being, being a dickhead, I guess you, you could say. Um, uh, I don't want to give anything away. I'm looking at this on Wikipedia, and this is totally not the movie I thought it was. What was the movie that, um, oh, Jesus, what's the guy that directed the the Dark Knight movies there? Um, Chris Nolan. Chris Nolan. What's the one that he just recently did, the space movie that he did? Edge of Tomorrow? No, no, I I know which one you think. Space movie. That's the movie I was thinking this was. That's the one with uh, McConaughey. Uh, Interstellar. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's what I thought this was. Okay. No, no, no. This one's different. He's like, it's him and another person, and they're like on a, they have to patrol uh, a certain area, and they're they're like a team. She's up in the, up in their little house in the sky, and he goes out each day, and he's patrolling, like it's on a a devastated Earth, and they're trying to protect it from these aliens. But that's all I'm gonna say because I don't want to give anything else in the movie away. Okay. It's, oh, it's got it's not a bad flick. In it. Huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and a Tom Cruise, an easy reader, then. Eh, maybe. One day, one day, Tom Cruise came to my house. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Tom Cruise. I still don't like you. Get Joseph the fuck out of my house. Kaczynski directed this? What else has he directed? Uh, the guy from Game of Thrones is in that movie, too. Oh, uh, he directed uh, Tron Legacy. Okay. All right. Yeah, all right. The uh, the guy that plays uh, one of the Lannisters, not Tyrion, the other one, that guy. Uh, okay. Paul should know. 
can't pronounce his name. Oh, uh, <laughs> I yeah. I can't remember his name either. Ja- Jamie Lannister. Was, Jamie Lannister, yes. Uh, he played Sykes in this, and I'll take a shot. It's Nikolai Koster Waldau. Yeah, that. Uh huh. Yeah, that's it. So, yep, I would definitely, uh, I would recommend it. It's a nice movie to catch. Okay. And moving on, now we get to another, uh, I think, a significant one in the comic book. Uh, you know, as far as the the progression into comic book movies becoming what they are today. Yeah, I was gonna say what kind of kicked everything back off back in what 2000 or 1999. Uh, yeah, around, around there. Uh, the first X Men movie made only one list, but it ranked fairly mm. high because it got seven points. So it ranked. Uh, what would that be fourth? Now, yeah. I hate I hate to be spoilerific, but I'm just curious. Does X2 show up on the list anywhere? It'll be uh, we'll get there. Okay, all right. I was just curious about that. But this this one really did kind of kick off that series. So I could see how there could be people who would think more highly of this than others just because it's the first. Mm-hmm. You know, feel it's got a little bit of originality to it. Um. It also started the trend of, hey, we have to center everything around Wolverine. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Oh, X2 is in the top 25, I will say. Cool. Well, no need to give everything away. <laughs> Don't get excited. Don't so get excited. Keep some mysteries here for people. There's Where, a mystery there. Is my movie going to be here? Where's it going to rain? <laughs> this, I, uh, I thought this was, was fairly well done as a... Uh, an ensemble piece, you know, it, was, it definitely got a little bit more focus on Wolverine, but, you know, they introduced a bunch of characters, and I don't know if it's aged quite as well as I would like, but it's still enjoyable, still decent to watch, and, uh, you know, I, I enjoy this one. I saw this when it hit video, or, you know, uh, DVD, I guess, and uh, I was really impressed with it, because I, I didn't go out to see it when it played theatrically because you know full disclosure i was never an x-men fan um i just i never connected with them in their in their comic book incarnation i always was just uh i really never liked comic book wolverine he i always found him to just be a, a grating character he's i just never really understood the appeal um and I don't, I to this day, I don't remember what in the world possessed me to watch uh, the movie when it came out on DVD. I don't know if it was just curiosity or what, uh, but I watched it and c- totally connected with the that movie and the characters, the way they were portrayed in that movie in a way that I never connected with them in their comic book incarnations, um, particularly Wolverine. I really liked... Um, Oh Jesus! What's the dude's name? Hugh uh, Jackman. Hugh Jackman. I, I really liked his portrayal of the character. He made what I always perceived as an incredibly unlikable character very likable, and and so I thought that that was really cool. So I really liked the first one. Um, Paul, I'll totally agree with you though that as this movie ages, I don't think it's aging very well. The very last time I watched it, um, I, I think it just suffers from the fact that. You know, so many more comic book movies have come out since it, this one's come out and have just done it better, done it bigger. The special effects get better and better. The stunt work gets better and better. And so this one is kind of being left behind a bit, if you know what I mean. And um, it, it's weird because now it, it's 
it's just kind of strange in the sense that to me it feels older than what it actually is in in some ways and, it, and it's hard to explain um, because now it kind of lacks that that big screen big budget comic book movie feel that it may have had when it first debuted in comparison to especially its sequels the ones that have come along after it so now when i go back and watch this one it, it almost has uh, like a made for tv movie feel to it in in the level of effects and everything um plus this was right on the heels of um the matrix and so it's got a lot of that tainting of the matrix in the in the effects and everything you know the way that uh especially the the fight between Wolverine and Mystique and she's you know doing that weightless walking up the walls type, you know type of thing that she does and all that and it just it, it really has a lot of the stink of the matrix on it and that movie has not uh, dated very well either I don't believe but that said I I still enjoy it I really think it's uh, it's still a really solid movie um as much as some of the effects are a little dated and some of the effects just flat don't work, there's just as many that do really work. I always thought that the way that they did both Wolverine's claws and especially uh, the way they do uh, Cyclops's uh, force blast is excellent. That stuff really holds up well. Um, I can remember this being one of the first movies I can remember really blowing up on the internet um, when the internet was brand new with fans just going apeshit fighting about you know fighting for both the merits of the movie and then fighting against you know all the changes it made from the comics and this is a weird one because this you know the, the entire x-men movie franchise makes me feel like such a hypocrite because i'm the guy that typically bitches and complains when they make sweeping changes from the comic book versions of the characters when they put them on the big screen in this particular instance, though, I'm totally willing to cop to the fact that I liked the changes that they made here because I never liked the comic book versions of the X-Men. I think my biggest problem with the comic book versions of the X-Men is that they were, I think they were kind of boring. I think they were a little stuffy and I think that they were a little too fantastic. So this movie, especially the first X-Men movie, makes a real attempt to kind of ground them a little bit. They're, they're not quite as uh, fantastical as uh, they were in the comics or that they would even be in later sequels when we started to introduce other characters like, say, Nightcrawler, for example. So by, by making it a little more grounded, at least when they started with this one, I, I think it made it a little more relatable and, and easier to get into on the ground level. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but that was just kind of how I felt coming into this. I, I really liked the first one. I thought it was really good and a uh, really good score by uh, Michael Kamen, who probably is most famous for the, the diehard scores that he did. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying about making it more accessible. And I think that may have been kind of critical to its success at the time, because as we said, this was kind of groundbreaking in comic book movies. You know, right. this followed up Blade, the, the Blade, uh, I guess the first two Blade movies, I think, predate this. Mm -hmm. And that kind of opened the door a little bit, and then this came walking through. Uh, and it, keeping it more grounded, while it didn't necessarily hit all the notes that I would have liked, I think it made it more accessible to the casual view, excuse me, the casual right. viewer who might not otherwise have been willing to give it a shot. 
And that was critical, I think, because then that that opened the door with this to doing Spider-Man and, you know, going from there. And they've just kind of gone bigger and bigger since then. So this is one of the first examples that I can think of of crossover. And, And what I mean by that is taking a comic book property, something that is clearly based on comic books, especially superhero comic books, and presenting it in such a way on the screen that you pulled in the straights. People that may not have even realized that the X-Men were a a comic book franchise. Because I can remember people like my wife, my dad, and and friends at work and everything say, hey, did you see that X-Men movie? That was a really good action movie. And identifying with it as an action movie instead of realizing that, hey, this is comic books. So it it didn't have, for, uh, for those people, I mean, it didn't have that stigma of, being something obvious, like, say, Superman or Batman or something where you know, okay, that's comic books. With this one, I, I think it managed to kind of bridge that because there, there were people that just dug it for the aesthetic or the action or whatever without making that necessarily comic book connection with it. And, you know, that, that's a hard trick to, to pull off. We haven't, you know, until recent times with the the Marvel movies coming out now or something like the walking dead on television. We haven't really seen a whole lot of that where, you know, the much larger audience will embrace something without immediately slapping that, that comic books, you know, label and stigma uh, onto something. And, uh, and I think this is one of the first ones, at least that I can recall that kind of did that. And I, 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 that's another reason I always kind of held this one in a slightly higher regard. And again, I think that goes to the grounded, uh, nature of what they were going for with this, because uh, they did dial back a lot of the more comic booky elements of this, and and again, that was one of those things I heard so much bitching and complaining about from you know the comic book community, especially the diehard fans. You know, why isn't Wolverine wearing yellow? Well, that would look ridiculous, and they address that in the dialogue. What do you want me to wear? Yellow spandex? And so I think they were making an attempt to say look, guys, we're trying to give you what you wanted, but at the same time, some of the things that you want and you're expecting to see, they'd probably look a little silly at this point. So we're not going to go for that right out of the chute. And I like that. That doesn't always work. And in this aspect, I think it worked pretty well to their benefit. Yeah, I I mean, I generally agree. I I think it it worked out pretty well as far as that. I'm curious. You you said that you know there were things that that you wish that they had done that they didn't do. Like like, do you have any like examples? Any for instances? Well, I I honestly didn't really care for the uh, for the black leather costumes. Um, mm-hmm. I would have liked well, to have was, seen. They that did kind of come from. I don't. Well, you know what? I don't know if that happened before or after because there was a black leather phase in the X Men no, uh, when Morrison was, was later. Like, I think that was the comic adapting to the uh, movie, not the other way around. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. it was later. Yeah. But, uh, I didn't realize how old I am. You know, I, I, <laughs> did, I didn't really didn't care for the look of that, and it bothered me a little when they did adopt it for the comics. Uh, I would have liked to have seen. I would have liked to have seen an origin story actually of the team. Yeah, which That's we a good eventually point. got yeah. in X Men First Class. Right. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I would have. I again, I, I don't have a problem with the fact that they wanted to hit the ground running. They wanted to get the people who wouldn't normally be comic fans, uh, you know, to have a chance to just jump right in and, and kind of get enthralled by it before they even realized they were watching a, a comic book movie, which I think was their goal. So, you know, mission accomplished as far as that goes. I don't know that it paid uh, quite as much 
attention to what I was looking for for that reason. But then again, when I saw it, I really enjoyed it. It's not like I walked away saying I didn't like this movie. Just, you know, in hindsight, having seen some of the other stuff we've gotten, you know, I kind of look at this one and think, oh, I would like to have seen, you know, XYZ in it. Uh, right. You know, I, I, it's funny because I, I love Ian McKellen's portrayal of Magneto, and yet I still kind of feel he's too old for the part. Yeah. And and having seen Michael Fassbender play the part, it's like it's almost like that. it backs up that thought for me. Right. On mm. the other hand, I guess he's a contemporary with Patrick Stewart, which makes him good for that. So, you know, my criticisms, oh, got... my criticisms are mostly uh, nits that I'm picking. Right. So I, I don't have any major criticisms of the story. I don't know that Bruce Davidson was the right actor for this either. Now, which right. one? Which role was he? He was Senator uh, Kelly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I. I don't know. I had no problem with him as 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 the senator. I mean, he was. Uh, I mean, in in the comics, he's um, uh, he's actually in. I'm trying to think if he was first mentioned in the Days of Future Past two That's issue. That's the first time I ever remember seeing him. And then, I, I think I would have cast somebody a little bit more forceful feeling. Bruce Davidson, while he strikes me as a politician in this, he doesn't strike me as somebody who has that, that force of personality uh, where you, you kind of almost fear his power a little bit, as, you know, his political power and what he can do. Uh, I, I you know, you, you make more, more threatening. You make some good points. I'd never really stopped to think about it before because I really like that actor. So I never really thought about it before, but you know, you, you make a, a compelling argument because yeah, he doesn't feel particularly uh, threatening or or but anything. But he plays like an that. awesome he, jellyfish. He's more, he's more yeah, he's more slimy, <laughs> almost yeah, like well, a slimy politician as opposed to somebody that you feel is like an actual credible threat to the X Men. Uh, yeah, that's no, good I point. mean, I mean, he really plays a good jellyfish man when he comes out of water, and he basically <laughs> he, he will forever be Willard in my mind. <laughs> I think it's Scott has not seen Willard. The original is that the movie? Michael Jackson movie? No, that would be Ben. Oh, that's Ben. Oh, okay. All right. It was yeah. the one with the rats. Yeah. No, I have not seen either. Yeah, I, I saw Willard in the movies when it was new, and I remember it scared the hell out of me. Willard. Oh, wait, that's Willow. Sorry. It scared me in a good way. You know, the, 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 the good movie theater scare. Ah. Moving on again. Oh, not, well, never oh, mind. Did you have was, something to add to it, Bill? Go ahead. Well, I, I didn't want to. Maybe I'll just save it until we get to, to, to the later movies. I was going to say, ask what you thought. Since this kind of, this movie set Hugh Jackman off, he's fixing in, oh, four months from now to play his last role as uh, as Wolverine in the Logan movie, which takes place in the X-Men future. And it's got Patrick Stewart and Logan. I don't know if you've seen any of the trailers. I saw the trailer he's basically, for Do- uh, in front of Doctor Strange. Yeah, he's basically fighting the cyborg Reavers. Or after, um, well, if you go by the comics, that little girl could be his clone, I X-23. Be, yeah, I think that's yeah. exactly who that is. Yeah. And, and apparently Professor X has some form of Alzheimer's in the movie. Yeah. And they're living in a turned-over uh, water tower on its side. Down by the river. <laughs> Logan! We'll see. We'll see what, you know, I'll give it a shot. That's all I could say. Yeah. So the next movie I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen. I have not seen it either, but I know it's like on everybody's ringtone, I seem to hear. Dun, 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 whatever that, that, that song from the, that I always seem to hear on people's phones. I don't even know. Who, who's, who's in this movie? Um, it, what's his is name? Is it Paul Giamatti? Uh, but it, uh, oh, Kevin Spacey, isn't he in it? 
No. Oh God, is it that movie? Hang on, I gotta look. Up. Did we give the name of it yet? American yeah. Splendor. Oops. Now we did. If this is the movie I'm thinking it is, I saw this and it was really disturbing. Oh, well, maybe not. Uh, oh no. Oh no no no. No this, no, this no, no, this no. Okay. It. What was I'm the name of that movie? It was American something. American Psycho. No. No, that was with Christian Bale. That was where he was the Wall Street guy who kills the guy to uh, Huey Lewis in the news. American Beauty. That was American the name Beauty. of that one. Yes, yeah. That's the one with yeah. Spacey. Yeah, that movie just, I no, didn't no, like I it. Well, I haven't seen that, that movie, movie Yeah, that creeped me movie. out. <laughs> yeah. Was, did it win Best Picture? I won something. I think yeah. it won a number of awards. Yeah, I did not like that movie. It just, but I haven't yeah, seen it was wrong on so many levels. Either, although I've heard good things about it and how it's the kind of like the life story of um, Harvey Picar, which he's actually in the movie too, Harvey Picar. Yes. And I know this is Mr. one of Mr. Honeywell's favorites. He's often spoken its, uh, you know, its benefits or whatever, but I've never seen it. Uh, maybe I should regret that. I don't know. I can't, but it, it, it did manage to get onto three lists. So that's wow. Wow. Hmm. Shows what kind of slugs we are. <laughs> Three people here, we haven't seen it. I feel like I'm missing something. So, <laughs> so next on the list is another one that I haven't seen. <laughs> I have seen it, and it is actually going to be released as a live-action movie. This was originally an anime movie, Ghost in the Shell. It, it is was, this uh, the one that Scarlett Johansson's yes. working on right now? Yeah. Yep, okay. Yep. Did you see a trailer for it? I, I've seen some still pictures of it. Yeah, but, I bet no. you have. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> But yeah, I mean that's that's all I I've seen. That's all I really know about it. I, I know it's an anime that's really popular, and that's about all yeah, I really know a, about it. It's based it. on a manga, right? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it's a futuristic um, story as a girl supposedly has an accident as a child, and she's turned into a cyborg, and she works with a police force, but she's also susceptible to being hacked. Uh, and that's all I'll say about that, because that's about all I can remember, because <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen it. I have it on videotape, <laughs> and I don't have a VCR that works. I know that uh, you know back many years ago when I worked in video, I know that this was a very popular seller. I mean, it was one of the more popular um, animes that we sold. So yeah, but one, one, one of the trailers I, I just saw for wow, man, it's really, whew, really looks look, good. Looks good. Yeah. Yes, really good. Yeah, I hadn't seen any of the trailers. Yeah, it's it's I I think it's gonna. And Scarlett Johansson looks good too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess uh, I guess we move up to our next movie on on the countdown. I don't know. I don't think uh, actually Paul said he hadn't actually seen. So, uh, the next movie he hadn't seen? No, 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 no. Oh, Ghost in the Shell. Okay, I got you. But okay. I actually uh, I like I like our our next movie. I like the theme song. I like Leah Thompson in it. Mm. Give the name. Howard the Duck. I actually saw I've, this in the theater when it so came out. So did I. I, I, wanna, I, saw, I, I think wanna, I saw it more than once in the theater. Yeah, I think I did too. I want to say I saw it at least one time with Chris Honeywell. Um, but yeah, I think I saw this a couple of times <laughs> yeah, in the theater this was myself. Out, yeah, this was out when I was in high school. So yeah. 
Yeah. Howard the Duck. Now, keeping in mind that I haven't actually watched it in decades, this is one of those ones that... You probably don't want to go. We probably I, you know, I, I'm curious to check it out again, but at the same rate, I probably don't because it's probably not going to hold well, up George, to my well, memory George of it. This had some. I don't remember if he did the special effects. I don't remember what else, what other hand he might have had in. Howard I think he. I think he executive produced it, I and I think the special effects were done by ILM. I think, but yeah. beyond that, I think that was about it. I don't. I know he didn't direct it, and I don't think he wrote it. I could be wrong about that too but he was a big fan of you know of the of the character in the comics he was a big now, fan of the comics because he's a big comic book guy which doesn't seem to get enough play okay uh, that, that that being said i don't think this is a, a good portrayal of the comic howard the duck no but i did but i no. did like the movie yeah see i feel the same way see the thing is i i was never that big a fan of the comic book version of howard the duck anyway because uh, you know, as a kid, when that stuff was coming out, a lot of the satire and everything it Went was going for was just, yeah, it was completely lost on me. So I kind of just saw Howard as kind of, it was weird, it was quirky, and it was a, it was a bit, um, I'm trying to think of the word. It was, it was just, uh, you know, he was just kind of, you know, he was just kind of acerbic as a character, and I never really understood him. Like, He's a cartoon duck. Why isn't he more likable? Why is he kind of an asshole? You know, and I didn't really get well, because that because they didn't want him to be Disney. I think. Yeah, exactly. But I, but I didn't get that as a kid. So when the movie comes out and he's pretty on, much, for God's sake. Yeah, he's pretty much, you know, he's a cartoon duck in a live action world. Essentially, the movie strangely made a little more sense oh to me God. than the comic ever did. Does this mean now that Disney owns Howard the Duck? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, didn't you? Yeah. Don't you remember he was on at the at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 that's that's true. I guess it did, but they own this version of Howard the Duck too. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, like I said, I, I haven't seen the movie in decades, but it was one of those ones that for for a long time, while everybody else was ragging on it, I was one of those guys going, eh, "It's not so bad." But you know, that said, I haven't dared watch it again in all these years. So if I watch it again, who knows what my opinion would be. Hey, you, you you get to see duck boobs. <laughs> I think I but think I, we're in the exact same position on this movie. I think we have the exact same experience. Yeah, but I mean, I remember I, I remember good things about it. You know what I mean? I mean, while Howard himself, I didn't think looked all that great. It's obviously a little person in a duck costume in a lot of ways, so it doesn't no. that that level that like say like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles I thought looked really good a few years later. That sort of thing. At the same rate, you've got um, Jeffrey uh, Jeffrey Jones is he's just great as the Dark Overlord, and I love when he actually turns into the CGI <laughs> the Dark Overlord, or not yeah. the not the CGI, but the uh, the you know the when he's been possessed. Yeah, when he turns into the creature at the end, the creature's damn cool looking because the creature is like the Rancor's scarier older brother. And that that's really cool. And uh, I was always fond of the of the soundtrack. It's uh, John Barry who did a hell of a lot of the James Bond movies back, you know, in the same time period. I think the score is really good for this movie too. And you get you know you get to see Leia Thompson's ass, which doesn't hurt at all. So I mean, it has a lot of things working for it. But again, God only knows how it holds up today. I, I really don't know. I, I just I don't have the the courage to check it out and watch it and be like, Oh my God, I must've been stupid as a kid. Cause it totally sucks. Now that happens too much for me. I, I don't want to do that with this movie. So mm, it's, it's content to live the life it lives in my memory at the moment. 
Well, it, got, whoever uh, put it on their list, and I, I have no recollection as to who did, but uh, whoever it was ranked it fairly highly because it's on one list and it got eight points. That means it's ranked number three on their list. Wow. Number three. That is that is high on the list. <laughs> so a similar ranking for a 59th movie, in fact, the exact same ranking, uh, mm-hmm. is Iron Man 2. Electric which, Boogaloo. <laughs> which is another movie that... Uh, I think the criticism of it has gone a little over the top because I enjoy this movie. I think it was fun. Uh, I think there's some world building in there that's, that's kind of cool, especially when you look back on some of it in comparison to what has gone on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And mm-hmm. I just love the uh, the Monaco scene, the race car scene. I just think yep. it's mm-hmm. great. I could stop. That's. I don't know how high this movie ranks in my Marvel Cinematic Universe, the 14 movies they've come out with. I'm not sure where it falls because I enjoy all 14 of them, but I could tell you that scene is definitely in my top scenes of all the movies. Yeah. I just think that's awesome. I think Mickey Rourke played a good dirtbag villain. I think, uh, what's his name, uh, Justin Hammer was really cool in it. Yeah. He, he he added comic relief without being totally silly, and I just think that was that was a little bit of a, a good touch in the movie. Uh, when he comes out in, at the expo and he's trying to be like Tony Stark, so he goes into like his dance moves and everything, and nobody reacts to it. <laughs> I, I just think it's it's just great. I, I, I loved it. Or even when, when he's yelling at, uh, at Bankoff because he's making the drones instead of suits, and he starts getting his butler or his second-hand man you can't put a head in here put your head in there (laughs) put your head in there yeah exactly it's just i just think it's great i i i really enjoy this movie i get a big kick out of it i don't think it's one of the best movies around i can see some flaws in, in its pacing and its direction and everything but i just enjoy it and i enjoy the story and i enjoy the movie and i think its criticism is way over the top well wasn't that where we saw the introduction of the black widow yep Mm -hmm. yeah what do you think of it, Bill? Oh, I like Iron Man too. I like uh, I like Mickey Rourke there. The, the whole thing that you know, the put, casting a little bit of the shadow on Howard Stark with how uh, you know supposedly stole the plans or you know supposedly stole the ideas from was it Roshenko? Venko. Venko. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm I'm not ashamed to say this is my pick. Um, <gasps> it, I'm I'm sad that. Apparently, I'm the only person that voted for this one. But yeah, this was uh, this is my number three on my list. Um, this is consistently my number two Marvel movie, right behind um, another one that I think does make the list a little bit later on. Um, I've never understood the harsh criticism of this because I think this is one of the best of the Marvel movies, and I would say that this is arguably the most important of the Marvel movies because this is where all the early world building began right here. You know, you have Iron Man, of course, comes out, and but it was never intended to build a world. It was just yeah. it was setting up the origin story. Same thing with the Hulk. It comes along and it tells the Hulk story and everything. And it has that little scene, you know, toward the end where you get the crossover with, with Tony Stark and General Ross. But it's really this movie, in my opinion anyway, that really sparks the beginning of the true Marvel Universe. And they are still mining this movie for things that are happening, you know, present day in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, including Civil War. 
there's a lot of civil war that was wrapping up things that began in this movie. Well, in and, um, in Luke Cage, uh, have you seen all of Luke Cage? I still have yet to watch the end of that. I, I started well, watching it, and then something shiny went by, and I didn't finish it. But I was digging it while I was watching it. Yeah, some I'm of the weapons I in there. Missy would, uh, you know, I knew she was into the uh, Daredevil last one. I figured she'd get you in this one also. Yeah, this this one somehow kind of lost her a little bit. She really liked Daredevil. She really liked Jessica Jones. Um, what else has there been? Daredevil, Jessica. I guess it's the two seasons of Daredevil is what it was. So yeah. She's enjoyed all that. She started watching Luke Cage with me, and then somewhere along the line, I think it just kind of lost her. She just didn't seem to enjoy this one as much. But I, I was really digging it. I just had you dig all. it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but no, but where I was going with that is that um, I'm, I'm not sure if you got, got to the point to where they... Um, some of the weapons that are being smuggled or being sold are... right. Justin right. Hammer. Hammer, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did see that, yeah. Um, and and they name drop him because when uh, Alf, Alfred Woodard is talking, uh, I, what is it? What, what it? Is her character Mar- Mariah, Mariah, I think? Yeah. Yeah. And she, yeah. And, yeah, and she's talking to the Cottonmouth. They talk about Fisk and they talk about, you know, a millionaire, you know, you know or no wait no wait no that's brought up in Seagate prison where they say you know they got stories about a millionaire that's hidden away in a cell here and I and they're supposedly re- re- referencing Justin Hammer right yeah I uh I love this movie I don't want to say too much because I'm really hoping that this is going to be a uh, an episode of is it Jaws in the not too distant future um I really look forward to doing that hopefully uh together you and I Paul so I, I don't want to I don't want to give out all my best material on this one, you know, ahead of time. But <laughs> yeah, any, anybody uh, who wants to just hold on, and you can hear more about it in in a couple yeah. of months, probably. But uh, yeah, I really I really do. I dig this one a lot. Um, you know, it, one of my standards for superhero movies, you know, uh, you know, comic book movies, but especially superhero movies is when you get the transformation scene, you know, what we all affectionately call the shirt rip scene. And one of my all-time favorite, you know, quote-unquote shirt rips is in this, and it's the same thing you mentioned, Paul, the Monaco scene. Mm. When With he, when the, when Happy the throws the him the suitcase, the briefcase, and he changes into Iron Man right there in full view, and it's the Scarlet Centurion one, I'm just in hog heaven. I love that scene. The friggin' music in that scene is just awesome. And that, that whole Monaco sequence, um, the music just builds and builds and builds. And then all of a sudden it kicks into a totally different style of music when he's actually, uh, the armor's actually building all around him. And I can, I can watch that scene over and over again. I just, I, I love the pacing. I love the music. The cinematography, I, I think that's just a great sequence, and that yeah, that's right up there for me with uh, you know with Chris Reeve ripping open his shirt to go save Lois Lane, you know, from the falling helicopter. It's it's right up on that same level. I yeah. just love it. I think it's good stuff. That is one of my um, single favorite scenes of any movie. I yeah, I just think it's so well done. I'm just I'm sad. It only you know it, uh, my votes the only go- vote it got. So if I hadn't voted for it, it wouldn't even have made the damn list. That that just makes me sad. This movie should be so much higher on this list. 
Um, I mean, again, I'm grateful it's on the list at all, but just the fact that, you know, it's one notch above Howard the Duck, I'm like, really? <laughs> that's just uh, crush, that's soul crushing to I, me. Actually, to be such fair, a, it's tied with Howard the Duck. <laughs> yeah, such a, well, but such it's, a depressing state of, uh, state of affairs there. Well, see, the thing is, you know, I, I, I am also a fellow enjoyer of this movie. Uh, I don't know if enjoyer is actually a word, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> Enjoyee? <laughs> enjoyification uh but it just doesn't make my top 10 and i i i gotta think there's others out there who agree with us on that and it just doesn't make that top 10 that doesn't necessarily mean that they go with the criticism that somehow it's a bad movie uh which like i said i i totally disagree with the people who say that anyway moving on (laughs) (laughs) moving on our next movie on the list number 58 is Go ahead. You got to give that. You got to give this the right. You got to give this the Michael Bailey intro. Shall I do it? Go ahead. Feel free. You got the touch. Song from the movie. Yeah. What are you? Jeez. Excuse me. I could forget that music. Yeah. Well, pardon me. me. I bet Mike liked that. I bet you he does. (laughs) So this this one only made one list also, but it's somebody's number two movie. But it was Michael Bailey. The movie from 1986. I don't recall. I don't. I tried to, not to keep track of who's who rated what where. But uh, Transformers the movie. I this is just like a little just past my time. So I saw this after the Michael Bay Transformers came out, and my son was still fairly young at the time. I guess he was probably about 10. And then I ended up getting him this to watch. Uh, and that's the only time I've ever seen this. So. I think this has fondness with a lot of people because they grew up with it, whereas I was right. maybe in my early 20s when this came out. So it didn't really catch me the way it did them. Uh, I think it's cool. I think you know there's definitely some really good voice acting in it, and it is the best Transformers movie. I'll give it that by <laughs> leaps and bounds. So I don't know if either of you have any more experiences with this one than I do. I really don't. I'm I'm honestly probably just going to sound like a parrot, but uh, my experience is almost the same as yours. Um, Transformers became a thing just a little bit after my time. So you know when the Transformers comics were coming out, the TV show and all that. Um, I was just a little too old for it when it came along, so I, I kind of just missed the whole thing. I, I remember when the comics, the Marvel comics, were just starting out and just becoming big. Um, I think the only issue I ever had at the time was the issue where the black-suited Spider-Man crossed over, and I bought that one just because I was collecting all of the appearances of Spider-Man when he was wearing the actual, you know, what we would eventually find out was the symbiote costume. Um, so I had that issue. So that issue gave me like a passing familiarity with the Transformers. But that was that was pretty much my total exposure to them until years later when, you know, as you say, the Michael uh, Bay films came out. Um, having watched the Michael Bay films and have having had a brief, uh, you know, interest in them that, you know, only lasted for a couple of months. And especially you know, with the with the theme park ride that opened at Universal I was curious for more Transformers and everybody kept referring me back to this movie and saying, you know, if you like Transformers, you got to go check this out. So I finally did. And I went back to watch this and I, you know, I I really hope that this doesn't hurt whoever voted for this feelings, but I couldn't make it through it, man. I just couldn't. It's now I, 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 again, I want to say, I'm not trying to, to put the movie down. Lord knows I love, 
plenty of things that are a product of its time. This movie is very much a product of its time. And since I didn't grow up with it and have a fondness for it, I couldn't get past the the very 80s element of it. I, I That song, I don't like that song. I, I didn't like the soundtrack. And I found the animation to be very... Um, just very stilted and and not smooth the way we've kind of gotten used to animation being and just all these factors kind of combined together and and i got maybe 20 minutes into it maybe i should have tried harder and given it longer but i i did i got about 15 or 20 minutes in and i'm like i don't i don't think i want to make time for this in my life so i just stopped watching it so sorry <laughs> I, I gave it a whirl but it just wasn't for me somehow i'm sorry i just I, I kind of just missed the whole Transformers movement when it happened back in the 80s. You guys are lame. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Bill? Uh, I think I missed this when it came out originally, but when I was in the Navy, um, a bunch of the other guys and me, we got into watching um, G.I. Joe and the Transformers. Um, you know, some guys had the videotapes and stuff, and, and we were, you know, so I it was like, a little bit of a renaissance you know i i got a little bit more i i was in, into the show when it was coming out I, w- I remember watching it but i missed the movie when it came out so i didn't see the movie till you know years maybe about two or three years later so i enjoyed it mm, you're allowed to enjoy it nobody's <laughs> telling you you can't bill it's all right now is this the one that has um orson wells as a planet letter nimoy's in it too yeah that's, okay that's why i said there's some good voice acting in it. right I thought it was interesting that uh, I think it's the th- third one I want to say of the of the Michael Bay Transformers. Uh, Nimoy comes back in that too. He plays one of the characters in that. I don't know if you guys saw that one or not. I, I can't even remember what the name the, of it was the, now. Dark Side of the Moon. Dark Dark of the Moon. Yeah. Oh, I that was yeah. So, so hard. Sorry. Oh, I liked that one. Oh, I hated it. Hated it. Let's see again with those movies. It's very much X Men syndrome with me. I have no connection whatsoever. Well, so neither, neither do I. And the first one I found to be mildly entertaining. The second one I found less so. And the third one I actually found to boring. Huh. Which, you know, Michael Bay making a movie that you find boring is like, you know, can you think of a bigger sin that he could commit? <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't expect deep characterization or you know. Academy Award type uh, performances, but I expect exciting, and I did not find it exciting at all. He blew up a building in that one. I think. I think isn't that the one where the building tips over? I, I don't know. I think. I was I don't too know. busy yeah. falling asleep during it. Aw, I need to. I need to see it again to refresh myself. But I, if I remember right, I think that's. I think that's the one I actually liked the best. If I remember right, I don't know. It was either the second or the third one I liked the best. I don't remember now. Uh, to me, they were diminishing returns. Yeah. But uh, moving on, number 57 on the list, Weird Science. And uh, I do understand there was a comic book version of that movie. Oh, really? Yes. An adaptation of the movie or the movie adapting the comics? I don't know. (laughs) But I do understand that there was a comic, so I made somebody's list. And uh, Kelly LeBron. (laughs) Well, and and there's another good... um, um, Boingo Boingo is in that with Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman, yeah. Yep. It's Jr. Jr. Yep. I mean, it's, it's a good kiss, Bill Paxton. Vernon uh, <laughs> Wells. Uh, oh, that's right. Yes. Yes, our buddy Vernon. Uh, yeah, Bill, Bill, Chris Tyler, and I took a picture with Vernon Wells at uh, Eternal Conway. So, 
<laughs> Basically, anything he's in is gold. Um, you know, I mean, I remember seeing this. I only saw it, I think, once. Yeah. Uh, this I this was another like cable. This was another cable movie for me that was always on that I'd always catch bits and parts here and there. So it was a good one. I remember this was one of using. I, I I did not think it was bad at all. I I only saw it once. Yeah, I think I only ever saw it start to finish one time. But yeah, like you say, it was on HBO constantly. But it wasn't one of those ones that was on HBO all the time where I would I would end up watching it. It was more like, oh God, I've seen this. Is this on again? Kind of thing. So I, I don't particularly have like fond memories of it. But at the same rate, I mean, I don't have anything against it. It was just one of those ones that's like, yeah, I've seen that, you know. So it, it didn't. It never really made like a lasting impression on me I, I think the thing i remember most about it is the song honestly Be- beyond that i don't i don't even remember what the hell it was about i know they create a girl and that that was about all i really remember about it and i yeah, think they was there a they, tv show yes there was yeah 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 they they put a bunch of stuff input it into a computer and uh science yeah Poof, so, girl. so based on this ranking, one person voted for this. Where where did this place? This is their number two movie. Is that what this is saying? Yes. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So moving on down, number fifty six on the list. We're getting here. Uh, has two Akira votes, two votes for a total of ten points. Akira. I'm one of the votes. Which is another manga movie. Bill, why don't you tell us about it? Well, actually, uh, if I can ever get around to editing it, uh, there'll be a whole entire discussion about the movie on Anime Freaks. If I can, uh, now that I got my head clear and I'm in a better place, I'll probably be editing. That's still a thing. It's still there. Okay. It's not dead yet. I feel much better. Uh, (laughs) um, Akira, basically Neo Tokyo after like a psychic... Like a psychic bomb goes off, and uh, well, I, it's got a lot of gangs in it. it. It's really a very interesting movie that um, ah, it's almost too hard to, too much to go into. It's it's very deep. It's a very deep movie, and it's but the but the visuals on it are fantastic for its time when it came out, which I think was in the eighties, like eighty. What was it? Eighty eight or eighty. Let me look it up real quick. Yeah. So it, yeah, it was it was based on a manga as well. Um, so again, uh, listen, keep out, keep your ears open. So n- neither of you have seen it, right? Yeah, I saw it. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, well, what did you think? Um, yeah, this is one of the very few uh, animes I've ever seen. <laughs> was it I'll probably like... playing in? Was it probably playing in in the video store you were in, like on a loop? No, no. Oh, I, I think I, I either rented it or saw it on HBO. I forget one of the two. It's got some freaky visuals. I'll, I'll yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, I was. Yeah, I mean, the the thing I'll always remember most about it is what was on the cover of the video box, which was him, the guy on, on the, the bike on the motorcycle, like he had just yeah. skidded to a stop. Mm-hmm. That's honestly about all I really remember about the movie is that he had that cool Tron-like motorcycle. But beyond that, I don't remember shit of what this movie was about. Oh, you don't remember the the, the little psychic kids kid, the one little kid that looked like a f- little midget Louis Anderson in like a little flying <laughs> hover chair? I, I do not. Oh, man, I'm trying to remember if I was even sober <laughs> for this because I want to say that we started why because I'm trying to remember who I watched it with. And it was probably Honeywell. And I'm thinking that at some point, whether we intended to or not, at some point during the movie, we just started drinking. And at some point, I just I was so far gone, I don't really remember. But 
Well, see, because the character Akira is actually a was like a was like one of these psychic kids who reached like this pure form, and then they're experimenting with this other kid. Uh, oh, was it Tetsuo? Tetsuo Kaneda. That's the two kids. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> anyway, yes, Akira. I voted for it. That's why it's here. And somebody Thanks else obviously Bill. voted. It was and it was last on my list. And somebody else it was last <laughs> on their list as well because we both got it ten points. Woohoo! No, 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 no. You're, you're wrong. What? No, I'm, I'm wrong. On your list, that means oh, you that's right. One oh, that's right. I gave it one, that and means somebody, somebody else, else got, oh, had number two on there. Somebody list, else had it two. Nine. Oh, I, I stand corrected. I'm. Wow. It's late. I'm getting Math tired. I was doing. I was doing mm-hmm. ten divided by two and came up with five. There would be no math. I, well, I'm so confused. <laughs> so the next one on our list is clearly a product of the question of what constitutes a comic book movie. Because I think if the popular opinion was that this was a comic book movie, it would rank much, much higher. Mm-hmm. Only one person voted for it, and it was adapted into a comic book, no question about it. So I certainly don't question it. Maybe they read the on. comic book first. Like, I read the... Actually, large... I believe the comic book came out a day before the movie did. Yeah. I so, read the oversized version of Star Wars before I saw the movie. Yep. You know, the, the the big, like, the treasury side size, which I still have, actually. But whatever, whatever the case may be, this person deemed it to be a comic book movie. I'm fine with that. The Empire mm-hmm. Strikes Back. One vote never heard, for first Never heard place. of it. Well, it's, it's, it's a small little film. It's an indie film. No, that would but, be Raiders of the Lost Ark. Geo, by Geoge Lucas. I don't know who that guy is. So while this wouldn't fit my personal definition of a comic book movie, at the same rate, I was thinking about this the other day. Have you ever noticed how much of the dialogue in the original Star Wars trilogy, especially in the first two films, Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back, how much of the dialogue... Like, if you were to write it down, could be straight from, like, a 60s Stan Lee Marvel comic. It's weird. I was thinking about this the other day because I was reading something. I don't know, you know, because I'm still on that read-through of early Marvel stuff. And I'm reading pretty much everything. I'm reading, you know, Avengers and X-Men and Strange Tales and all these different things. And there was something... It might have been a Doctor Strange story, I forget, but there was something in the dialogue between the hero and the villain that suddenly struck me this like damn this is darth vader you know in the dialogue and then i got to thinking about some of darth vader's lines and i don't think i ever consciously thought of it before because you know the way that james earl jones delivers his lines the voice the gravitas the the emotion he puts into it I never really stopped to think about it before, but if you just break those lines down, especially if you're looking at it just, you know, in black and white on paper, a lot of those lines are like, you know, again, you know, it's it's like Silver Age Stanley Marvel. You know, it's like something Doctor Doom would say or something to the, you know, to the Fantastic Four. And I never really put that together before, just how comic booky. The, the Star Wars films really are, you know, especially the, the those first two movies. And so, in a funny kind of way, I, I can see this being on someone's list of a comic book movie. I mean, 
true it's not adapted from comics, but I mean, it definitely, you know, Star Wars definitely has a comic book pedigree because George Lucas, by his own admission, ripped off everything in sight that he liked in science fiction and fantasy when creating that mythos and comics were a huge influence on Star Wars. So, yeah, I, I guess I could buy that. Yeah, I'm cool with it last time. I think it's a great movie, and there is a comic mm-hmm. book version of it, and there is use of these characters in comic book stories. You know, they're just a, practically an endless number of them at this point. So yeah. yeah, I have no problem with somebody thinking it's worth being on you. And I, I do remember when uh, when I put out the call for the list, I, I got several questions from the person who voted for this one. You know, I kept saying, "Whatever you decide is a comic book." You know, as long as it's up to my definition, then I want this as my number one. So it's fine <laughs> with me. So it's just a great movie, and it's not only you know if you want to call it a comic book movie, it's a great comic book movie. But I think I think this movie would be on a lot of the people who provided this list, their lists. If I just said, give me your top ten movies of all time, and no other distinction to it, you know, no limitations, I think this would be on a lot of the lists. Yeah. Probably most of them. Yeah. Yeah, this movie's, uh, I would say this is probably my number two movie of all time. Yeah, I, I love it. Great movie. So, the fact that it only got one vote here is purely because of questions about def- defining it as a comic book movie. I think that's the only issue. Yeah, so, I agree. Moving on down, number 54 on our list, Superman 3. Now, I have to confess, I'm not a fan of this one. You could be great again, Paul. Yeah, I, I really, this, this one kind of left me a little. Really? You don't they, think it's like like a Bronze Age kind of movie? They, they went for like some comedy moments in this that just kind of didn't do it for me. Did you think the lady turned it into, in, into the computer like the, was kind of scary? You know? I was listening to something. It might have been... Yeah, that was have been just Star Wars and character. character. Yeah, yeah, they just mentioned it. Where they were yep. talking about that, and I totally agree. That scared the shit out of me when I was a kid, that scene. And by the time that movie came out, I was not really even a kid anymore. I think I was in my teens. And that still, it still scared the shit out of me. That scene where she becomes like a like a Borg. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was some frightening imagery. It really was. Um, I don't know. I'm with Paul on this one because... Now, granted, I you know full disclosure, I love all four of the Superman movies, and a lot of that is because of you know Chris Reeve. He just he is Superman. He just he was just the embodiment of that character, and he brought such earnestness to that role that even the movies you know in that series that aren't that great, like this one, are still pretty damn good just because of him. Um, that said. If Superman 3 is on this list, then Superman 4 better be higher up on the damn list is all I know. Because I still maintain Superman 4 a hell of a lot better movie than Superman 3. Of the four of them, I think Superman 3 is clearly the weakest one. At least that that's my opinion. Now that said, there's a lot... That would be my opinion lot... as well. I think Superman yeah. 4 is, is beat on too much. Yeah, it really is. I mean... The thing that this one has working for it that Superman 4 doesn't, I think really the sole thing it has working for it that 4 doesn't, is that the effects are still really solid in this. Despite how you may feel about the story one way or the other, the effects are really, really good. They still had quality effects. Superman 4, honestly, I think so much of the criticism that movie gets is because it has shitty effects. They just they didn't use the, the same house for the effects, and they cheaped out. And it looks it. I mean, it looks cheap in the special effects. 
but story-wise, I think it's a lot better story. It's, I think it's a lot stronger story. Where Superman 3 really struggles for me um, is I, I enjoy I mean, there's a lot to like about the movie. Chris Reeve is still on his game. He's very earnest. He's very sincere. You get a lot more Clark Kent in this one. You get, a, I mean, just a beautiful relationship between him and Lana Lang. Uh, and she's gorgeous in this. Um, you know, really good score. Again, really good effects. And the story's not bad, but what hurts the movie, and I don't want to sound like I'm down on the guy because I, I liked him too, but what hurts the movie is damn Richard Pryor. Because what they tried to do is they, they tried to make two movies at the same time. They tried to make Superman, you know, three, a, a Superman movie. And then they tried to also make, you know whatever the hell this Richard Pryor vehicle is. And then they mash the two of them together and it just doesn't work because it doesn't give either one enough. I mean, Superman gets shorted in his own goddamn movie. And then Richard Pryor just bogarts so much of the movie. And it feels there's times when I'm watching this movie and it's almost like I'm watching like the toy two or something. (laughs) And it's like, Wait a minute. What? What? I mean, this is one of those movies you can stumble across on HBO, and if you're not intimately familiar, you could watch like a half an hour of it and not even realize it's a Superman movie because it's, there's so much Richard Pryor shit going on. Um, so that's the thing that hurts it the most to me. But that said, I mean, there's still there's a lot of great stuff in there. The fight in the junkyard is awesome. I, I love that. I'll sit oh, yeah. through that the movie just to get to that because that fight's really awesome. Um, and as annoying as Richard Pryor can be, and again, I like Richard Pryor. I just don't think he, I think he wandered into the wrong movie with this. But that said, the speech he gives when he gives Superman the the essentially red kryptonite, <laughs> I love that scene because it starts out with him just kind of just meandering through this speech, and you're like, and the the woman he's with even rolls her eyes, and everybody's looking like, what the hell is he talking about? And then he gets to that great moment where he goes, you know, half of this great nation of ours almost bit the bullet. And he pauses for a moment for dramatic effect. And he goes, if it wasn't for this man here. And that's where you make the connection. And I just want to jump to my feet and cheer. I love that moment. So that kind of saves the movie right there. I like that. Um, But I tell you, once Superman defeats his evil self in the junkyard, that should be the end of this movie. Because the whole rest of it, when he goes to the Grand Canyon and fights the suit, I don't need any of that shit. I don't. I, the whole rest of the movie is just a snore to me at that point, where they play the stupid Atari game and all. I just, I don't like any of that. It really should end. You know, it, it's on such a high note at that point. It's like, all right, you've already run two hours. Just end the damn thing here at your best moment. You don't need all this other crap. So it's it's got serious pacing issues as well. So, yeah, I, I like it a lot. But, uh, yeah, that I would rate all three of the other ones higher than this one myself. Okay. And that brings <laughs> us to another one I've never seen. I, I have really not seen this either. Number 53 was on one list, ranked number one. I, I did a quick search. It was uh, – glanced at it real quick, said it was a story of um, – uh, Oh, gosh, shoot. It's about a fart, right? No, 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 no. It's not about oh, okay. a fart. It was about a life story of uh, uh, World War II. Um... Laundry's done. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> Your time is up. You're stalling. Do you have an answer? 
of Hiro Horikoshoya, the man who designed the Japanese fighter plane during World War II. Oh, but uh, well, I, I know nothing about this. I, I do not either. It, it was a 1926 point. novel written by Ernest Hemingway, according to this. Huh? Oh, wait, no, sorry, that's The Sun Also Rises. <laughs> <Never mind. laughs> Uh, this is a Japanese anime movie, I guess, based on a manga. So, some again, somebody thought very, very highly of this and ranked this as their number one movie. So, who am I to criticize that choice? I just uh, don't have any familiarity with it. So, I'd, I'd be curious if anybody wants to enlighten us as to what makes this a great movie. I assume whoever wrote it thinks it is a great movie. Because we can't do it justice just because we're just not not familiar with it. So, we apologize for that. Yeah. Uh, so next on our list at number 52, second to last movie for tonight is Fritz the Cat. Made it onto two lists. One person ranked it number one, and it got 11 points. That means the other person ranked it number 10. I'm pretty sure I'm I sure know at least one well. of the well, Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I know at least one of the voters for this one. Yeah. I remember when this was in the movie theaters. I was too young to see it, but it was infamous because it was an X-rated cartoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I finally was old enough to see it, I thought, really? They rated that X? <laughs> like, they didn't seem anything about it that made it that race. Well, are you sure you saw the the yes, I saw the it. full version? Well, I mean, I know there's the scenes in there and everything, but still, it was a cartoon, and rated X just seemed a bit much. Right. I, I think you know. I think I think a hard R would have been bad. It would have been enough. I, I don't think it wasn't so graphic that it needed to be X. It's I saw some of this with Honeywell. Um, again, I can't remember if we rented it or saw it on Skinemax or something. I, I don't remember. It seems to me it was on one of the pay cable channels uh, when he and I were living together in, in Rochester. I think. I can't remember. Um, I remember him being like incredibly excited to finally get to watch it and I remember being really seriously bored by it and that's about all I really remember. And a little bit disturbed as you say that here's this you know, this animated movie that looked like it could be like Don Bluth Studios or something, and it's a porno. And that just, <laughs> yeah, it was very disconcerting to me. So, yeah, I, I de- and not, definitely something I did not sit through, you know, and r- pay rapt attention start to finish. It was more like checking it out for a couple minutes and going, oh, okay, I think I'll wander off and go do something else kind of thing. So, well, I, I just watched 30 seconds of it and went, okay, all right, moving on. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Ralph Bakshi, you know, his, his animating style is very clear and easy to pick out, and it's also... Uh, Stick to the Hobbit. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I, I personally I wasn't that entertained by it. I didn't really see it was so clever. I just think it was like trying to push the envelope, and that's really like out of it. But, you know, some people love it, so... Yeah. More power to him. We have a similar situation with the last movie we're going to look at today as far as the rankings go. It got Mm -hmm. two votes. One of them was for somebody's favorite movie. So that means it got 10 points from that. Wow. It got a total of 11 points, which means the other person had to have it as their number 10 movie. And that is Popeye, starring Robin Williams. Yeah. I watched this. I watched this so many times on HBO again. But I... And while... Obviously, I like it if I watched it so many times. I used to know all those songs by heart. Yeah, been I really so... liked the music in this. I, I thought yeah. it was all very yeah. catchy. It was, it no joke. Music... Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, no joke. I just scored this out of one of those huge bins at Target, of all places. My wife and I were there. We were grocery shopping. This about maybe two weeks ago. 
and it just happened to catch my eye from a distance. Your squeaky eye? Popeye was in here. Yeah. And it was four dollars for the DVD. Wow. Four bucks. So I couldn't I, resist. I picked it up. And uh, yeah, did I, you hold I, it up uh, and show it to the wife and go, "He needs me. He needs me." He needs me. <laughs> but no, I I do. You know, I I'm notorious for not liking musicals. I really don't. The whole musical thing just confuses the hell out of me. You know, you're you're in these situations, and all of a sudden everybody breaks into song, and nobody ever reacts by going, "What what what the hell? Stop singing! What are you doing?" But in this case, I love this movie and I love the music. I, I find myself singing, especially like food, food, food. I love that song. So, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of this. I'm ashamed to say this one's not on my list. It was when I was first compiling my list. And then as I kept remembering more and more movies and adding and changing my list, it eventually got bumped off the top 10. But this, I mean, this could easily be like number 11 or 12 on my list. Um, and it might even make the top 10 again if I if I were to revise. But, uh, you know, definitely very high on my list. I, I love this movie. I think it's uh, I think it's a hell of a lot of fun. I, I enjoy the music. I enjoy the songs. Uh, I think the acting is really good. It's one of those movies that one of, I, I think the greatest hallmark of this particular movie um, it's it, it's one of those movies right up there with like say like Yellow Submarine, um, the Beatles, you know the other Beatles movies. I'm trying to think of other movies that are a good example where you can watch it over and over and over again, and every single time you watch it, you're going to find or hear something that you didn't notice the last time because it's it's got so much going at one time in so many scenes, like the the dinner scene. When everybody gathers around a dinner, there's like three or four different conversations all going on at the same time. And so every time you watch that scene, if you focus on a different character, you're going to discover something new that's that's said or done that you didn't notice the last time. And it's just that's one of those Robert Altman tropes. It's just one of the things he does in his movies. And and I really appreciate it with this one because it gives it rewatchability. Um you know, the, the whole aesthetic, I mean, this movie captures the feel of its comic strip world years before other movies would be so praised for that. Movies like uh, Tim Burton's first Batman, you know, I, I think it won an Academy Award for that, if I'm not mistaken, or like... Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy. I, I mean, I love the the look of that world, the look of that movie. It's beautiful. There was so much said and, and written about the look of Dick Tracy. Well, shit, this movie did it, what, a decade before? I mean, this movie looks like a, a living comic strip. It looks like the, the world of, of Thimble Theater. And, and not just... Robin Williams and the way he's made up with the puffy arms and all that. But I mean, everybody from olive oil to Bluto to, you know, the, the whole town of Sweet Haven and everything. It's like, a you know, the living Popeye strip brought to real life. And I, I think that's cool. I really appreciate the, the level they went to to, to make this uh, very faithful to those old strips. So, yeah, I, I give this one a, a, a lot of uh, kudos. I, I think the only thing, honestly, that really hurts this one is that um, from what I've read about it, I guess this movie was shot pretty much in sequence of the film, which doesn't usually happen. 
So when they literally ran out of money, that's why the movie kind of just ends and kind of has kind of a shitty, dissatisfying ending where he just punches that big, stupid rubber octopus thing. (laughs) So it kind of runs out of steam right at the end of the movie, unfortunately. So you don't really get that that big payoff at the end. But if you can forgive that, everything else in it's just a hell of a lot of fun. I, I really dig this one a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I watched this a lot, I guess, in 1980 or so when it was first available at home, home video. And uh, of all the movies that tried to create that comic feeling on the screen as opposed to adapting the comic for the screen, uh, I think this one does it better than any others. I know mm-hmm. Dick Tracy will eventually get to that on this list, and I know a lot of people will rank that higher and obviously it's ranked higher than this on the list but to me this one is i this one is more of a favorite for me than that one is and i don't have a problem with musicals i know it's kind of dopey to think that people just break into song and out of nowhere but it doesn't bother me if the music is catchy uh and the music's catchy in this i just think it's yeah you you find yourself singing along with it you find yourself singing along with it the first time you hear it which is just amazing Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, and and I think it's it's got a lot of funny things in it, and and like you said, there's a lot of stuff going on in the background, and if you just keep you know you watch closely, there's always something new to see. And I am not a fan of Robert Altman, but I think this is his, in my opinion, this is his masterpiece. This is the oh, best yeah. thing he ever did, and I know you know people can point to a lot of other things that were a lot more commercially and critically successful than this was, but this is my personal favorite, no question. Right. Yep. Bill, what do you think of it? Oh, I well, I mean, I think I started us off saying that that, that I just I watched it so many times as a, I mean, ni- in nineteen eighty, I was. Uh, the one, eleven. <laughs> so yeah, it right. was. Oh yeah, so many, 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 many times, many, many hours watching this. I think it was one of many movies I had made an audio tape of, like that, and uh, yeah. And Star Wars, so I could play it while I was sleeping, you know, and just run the movie back in my head. I remember being so excited when I finally tracked down the soundtrack record of this, you know, back when they were all on record, only Mm -hmm. to play it and discover that instead of having food, 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 one of the tracks that's actually on the record album is a song that got cut from the movie. So they give you a song that's not in the movie, and then they leave out the very best song, in my opinion, the very best song in the movie from the actual. I was so des- you know, just disappointed by that. I'm like, come on, really? Mm. And I'm not sure that they've ever re-released it either. If they've ever, you know, done like an expand. I know there's a bootleg out there, but I don't know if uh, if they've ever done an official expanded release with uh, with that song on it. But uh, yeah, that just. Again, that that scene, the food, food, food scene is a great scene to illustrate that point I was talking about with just so much stuff going on on the screen at one time. That's a scene you can watch over and over again and pick something out new every time you watch it. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of this. One. I like this one a lot. I am what I am. <laughs> it's also... It's also a very quotable movie, too. There's a lot of great lines I find myself using on a regular basis in this movie. And and that is also very true to the way Popeye was in the comics and, or in the comic strip and, mm-hmm. and in the old cartoons. 
Yeah. He'd always be muttering something under his breath that, you know, if you listen closely enough, it would be pretty amusing. So, right. you know, there's a lot of stuff like that. And this this was very, very true to the comic. I, like I said, I think of the ones that try to be spot on and make you get the same feeling as when you were actually reading it. This one is as close as, as you get. Right. So. This was also the uh, the film debut of uh, of Dennis Franz, who would go on to you know minor oh, minor star. Yeah. 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 He plays the. Oh God, what was his name? I can't remember now the character's name in this, but he he's the the leader of the rowdy band in the in the restaurant that's giving Popeye a hard time until he whoops all their asses. Butch. That was his name. Butch. It's the character he plays. Okay, well, we're going out on a high one uh, as, far, <laughs> as far as the, the, what the three of us think of the, of the voting. So that's that's a nice place to end for now. And that's we're halfway through our top 100 here. And uh, I don't know. Coming. A couple of week break before we get to numbers uh, 50 through 26. But we'll be Coming continue. soon. We may yep. see some... Marvel movies, we may see some um, DC movies. We may see a lot of things. I see some things. Yeah. <laughs> I see another one of my picks. <laughs> we, we've, we're running a little long, so I think we'll call it call it a night on that. Bid you adieu. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me once again to do this. this it was a pleasure. A fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next one. Yay! Good night, everybody. Good night. I didn't get a harumph out of you, Gardner. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. All right. Harumph, harumph, Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. I give it F for fantastic. (laughs) Okay, so this one you like. Yes. Yes, you could say that. All right, cool.